on this episode of Quantum Week, June 15th through 21st, 1980. Welcome to Quantum Week. I'm Matt. I'm Chris. Quantum Week is a show in which Chris and I leap into a random week of a random year, and we talk about uh, movies and music, headlines, our stories. Um, and we are in June of 1980 with Blues Brothers and Cars by Gary Newman. That's right. Anything off the top that we need to get into? Uh, I don't think so. We can probably get right into Blues Brothers. Blues Brothers. I don't like this movie. It's a piece of shit. I don't. I don't like it. It's not funny. I laughed once. Um, and it so are was, you calling it trash or no? So now I hesitate because the last time I called something trash because there are some redeem. No, it's not. Okay, but it's close. It's bad. It's maybe a D. Okay, ish. The only thing um, that made me laugh was curl up and die. That's funny. I like that. That was funny. That, that was also, the only thing that, that made me very laugh. Good. The a hairdressing salon was called Curl Up and Die. Yeah. Um, if you've never seen Booze Brothers, maybe a lot of people listening haven't. Uh, it is uh, based off of the uh, characters from uh, Setting Alive in the late 70s. Uh, right. Obviously uh, played by, I'm sure everybody knows, John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd. And they made a, a full-length movie of it. Um, did they? I mean, they, they <laughs> did. It's very long. It's 210. So. Oh, no shit. Um, yeah. So I was watching it. I'm really conflicted. I'm going to give it a C. I, I'm really kind of, it's both a good movie and a, t- and a bad movie at the same time. There's a lot of, things to like about it there's a lot of things not to like about it um and i'm watching and you know we're in 1980 here this year uh in the, the week we're doing here and it's been kind of odd you know looking at the headlines yeah obviously the shining i'm sure if you listen to that episode you know you, i'm very familiar with the shining um but you know i you know matt and i were both too young to remember 1980 so a lot of this is you know it's kind of against the show in a way of like usually it's nostalgia or we kind of Yes, we don't have that. We're revisiting movies that we've seen before, grew up with, or we have kind of experience with whatever, but we don't really have an experience with with this. I mean, obviously I know the characters messing up, but I've never seen this movie before. You hadn't either. I forgot. No, I had seen it because in the 90s, it was actually a big thing for my friend group to to like this. I think it was the music and there was sort of a resurgence of it and then they did the movie. Yeah, there was. Uh, So I wonder why in the 90s though, because it was really high school. It would have been, so it would have been like 94, 95. It just had another moment. It did because the Blues Brothers 2000 was actually 2000, wasn't it? Right, and that kind of killed the moment. Yeah, but I wondered, like, what was happening then that that brought it back? I don't remember. Maybe it was maybe they did it on SNL again with with uh, Goodman, or maybe I, I'm trying to think uh, of why. On, it was on VH1 a lot. Yeah, that I could be why. That. Um, it was on cable a bit. Um, yeah, yeah, it might have just been just a thing where people were just re- fondly remembering Bush or whatever. I don't, I don't know. But that's um, where it brings me. I know I saw it earlier than that in my life. Probably okay. I saw it with my dad or something. But I don't have nostalgia of that I have nostalgia of the '90s. Yeah um right so you know i was watching I'm like this is a really fucking weird movie this is really strange super weird and i don't i'm like is this just like obviously we all know the classics from the 70s and and, and 19 you know you know i've watched the classics but you know the average you know run-of-the-mill movie from 1975 have i seen that i probably haven't no. i mean i just wasn't alive for it you know the stuff isn't wasn't available on vhs as, as much you know and there's a lot of movies at time just kind of forgot um and a lot of the way you know when i say that movies i mean like you know the way things are shot the way yeah. things are stylized things like that uh and then watching like this is just really fucking weird it is a so weird movie the very so um uh, the very first sentence from roger ebert's review is this is a weird movie and i was like Whew. yeah okay it's not me <laughs> this is a strange movie it's strange um so the music in this movie is great okay so that's actually can i do you mind if i sure we can go to it you think i mean aretha is 
awesome. She's not only awesome in singing in this movie. No. She is maybe the best actress or actor in this movie. She is a and, and before, phenomenal you know, in, performer In that particular here. movie. You know, like, obviously, I mean, Aqua and Bushi have better chops than her probably, but at least in this movie, in the character she did, I, I don't, watching, I'm like, why isn't Rita Franklin in more movies? I know. She's she really charismatic phenomenal. on screen. Yeah. Obviously, she has a great voice, but she's, like, legitimately good. She gave, like, a real performance, a grounded, really good performance. Yes. It was, like, sincere. You believed her. She was great. It was a breath of fresh air. Yeah, I know. The other one, <laughs> the other one, the big one for me is, is the other big one for me is this one. And, he, and how much fun was he? I love him. So once again, not only the singing is, is the, super charismatic, but he's like really he's a great fun on screen in there. Yeah. I laugh when he shot at the kid trying to rob him. <laughs> yes. yes. I also laugh behind the poster up upside down. <laughs> Dude, that was actually Ray funny. Charles got two laughs out of you in, in a movie. that didn't have a ton of laughs for me. No. Um, Ray Charles uh, is really fun in this in this movie. He is. Um, they, I give them a lot of credit. They picked the right, Cab Coward, the Minnie the Moose. Oh stuff. yeah, yeah. That wasn't bad. I, I don't like it's that's that one's a little bit over the top for me because he changes outfits and then. It's oh, I like thing. that. Oh, I actually mm. enjoyed that choice. I didn't like the surrealism and the absurdity of this movie. It really bothered me. I would. I like it in something like UHF, but I didn't like it here. It didn't feel right. And so when they did things like when you, there's absurdity all over this fucking movie, it bothered me a lot. Uh, some he's of okay. It, he's a some good of it did, some of it didn't. That one I didn't mind because I thought of it almost like. I mean, I guess it's all how you perceive. They don't really explain anything. No. And it's not like a fun lack of explanation like The Shining or interesting. It's more just like lazy. Why? Yeah. Um, so Cab Calloway uh, changes out. They don't explain it all. He, all of a sudden, he's in a different outfit. No, so is the band. They're in, even a different set. And he does this Minnie the Moochie routine. But I just looked at it like this is an old guy reliving his glory days. He's very good. And he's it's a like, great oh, performer. if you look at it that way, that's, you're looking at it from his perspective, in his mind. I'm like, oh, that's kind of a nice little novel touch. I, I, I like that. Yeah. Um, cause that's, maybe that's what's going through his head when he's performing. I just would have rather watch him do it on, on, you know, in a YouTube video or something than, than in this movie. It just felt out of place just with all the absurdity around it. The, this, the big set change and, and all that stuff, but he is good. His performance I, I, I is very that. good. I, I, I give that a, a big pass. Now, one area where the absurdity doesn't work and this is laziness and this is something that especially comedians should know better. And this is going to sound, you probably like, oh, Chris, you're lecturing Dan Aykroyd and John Bush had to be funny. I don't mean it like that, but it just, for, for me at least to make me laugh Carrie Fisher shows up a few times and keeps destroying, like trying to kill them. Okay. So at one point she blows up the building they're in and it's actually a pretty impressive destruction of a building. Like, it is. From an effects point of view. Right. They simply just get up out of the building like nothing happened. And walk away. And walk away. You, Everybody. You can't do that. You have to, okay, so if your whole thing is I'm disaffected by things, okay, but you need to explain that. You can't just be disaffected. You have to, there has to be some sort of justification and in this movie, there's not a lot of justification not for at actions. All. And I'm asking myself too, when that happens. So first of all, she misses them like nine times with a with a bazooka. Yeah, all right. Okay, she misses them. Yeah, okay, he they dive out of the way. They don't ever see her, but they dive out of the way. Fine. Mm. So later on, she's like, okay, fuck this. I'm gonna blow up the entire building. And she, mm-hmm. you, we don't even know. She lays it with or laces it with uh, plastique or something, yeah. and blows the whole thing up. And the whole time, I'm thinking, who did she kill? Because they're. It, is, was the building empty besides? No, so everybody the gets up. It's a very large apartment building. Exactly. So you get, you, you know, the Blues people died. walk out. You know, they've got, they have foot thick and uh, pieces of concrete and rebar on, that have fallen on them and they're fine. And they actually fell through the floor. That, that was an impressive shot, actually. It was. Uh, they walk out. All the cops that were in there, to, to including John Candy, uh, get out of there too, alive. But, but, there must be families and shit in this apartment building. Where but, did they all go? But no one even seemed to care. It was almost like they someone just stubbed their toe. 
Like, exactly. Like no one cares. No one and cares. And you can't do. You have. You, you If you you can do that, if you ex- you have to really explain it. And so this is an issue with a first time screenwriter. So Dan Aykroyd um, wrote a 324 page script. Oh my god! Which, uh, if you don't know, if you're not a, a film uh, geek or you don't know, usually when it comes to screenplays, a page is a minute. That is nuts. Yeah. So basically, you know, usually a screenplay is about I don't know, 120, 80 to 120 pages. So like we talked about in the Superman episode, uh, if you listen to that one, Mario Puzo had a similar treatment. <laughs> but he, he actually wanted, you know, Mario Puzo, you know, helped, helped with the Godfather. So he knew what he was doing. He wanted actually it to be a 400 oh, minute movie. That makes sense. Which, well, it really doesn't, but. No, <laughs> okay. but, I, but yeah. at least from him, it but makes I, sense. I, well, I, I but guess. not from Dan Aykroyd. So Dan, Dan Aykroyd, but he said, he admitted, he's like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, I'm just writing, I'm just writing something. Here, here you go. And he even made fun of it. He, he put a, uh, like a, a yellow pages cover on it and like here like here you go like i don't know what i'm this is i think the movie studio said we want to boost for this movie and he's like i will write it but he did he fully admit i don't know what i'm doing yeah so he gave it to they had a bidding war for this paramount and universal were fighting about it universal wins uh and then um uh john landis is picked to direct this because of his familiarity with Bushy and sure, Animal House. that makes sense so Landis got the script and basically like made it into a, a actual like something you could actually shoot. Right. But when you do that, when you carve stuff out, maybe they carved out some of the justification comedically for stuff. Uh, obviously, we just talked about John Landis on our coming to America. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, Eddie Murphy was very critical about John Landis's comedic abilities or, you know, just basically abilities as a human being. <laughs> but right. But he did a good job with that movie. That movie is good. I don't know if John Landis. Well, okay, go- no, no, no. But that movie is good, right? The movie is good. Right. The movie has justification. Yes. Every single reason we talk about, that's why that movie is so much better than this one. Every single thing the char- characters do has a reason. Yeah, that's and right. The, and the, what they're, everything they do has consequences. But this, is, but it's still also wildly funny. Just because you have those rules in place doesn't mean it's not funny. It just means it has some sort of structure. And in fact, it makes it funnier because you have some bearing to laugh on. Does Landis think he can get away from away with that because of Belushi? Because Belushi is such a like a, a kind of a force of nature. You don't know what you're going to get. He could do anything crazy at any time. Does that? Does he think that he can just get away with it? I don't know. I I don't know. I I, I Landis. So I'm watching this movie and part of me is like Landis is a fucking hack. I think I'm just going to go into this episode and just trash the shit out of Landis. But then you're watching it and that third act, like, or, you know, the end of the third act, the conclusion, when they go to the, uh, that race, that car chase to Chicago and they end up at like what city hall plaza. Yeah. And it's like, that was actually amazing. It is. Yeah. Actually the underpass, the one that struck me was the underpass driving when they're under the train and it's like, and they're, it's, it's just so jarring to watch it happen. I think you're right. That last sequence, whatever, the last 15 minutes of the film was actually quite good. Yes, it was preceding that it wasn't though when they got the big pile up with the cops i was like oh that's stupid or when they do the backflip off the bridge that's rising up those things i was like uh oh, like- so okay so let's talk about that for a second yeah. so there's a, a scene where it's even hard to even explain or describe so like he does right uh bruce brothers car is being chased by nazis the bruce brothers <laughs> yes. uh dan Aykroyd somehow they i mean they do show the car is kind of has superpowers in a way and they it, it does this it's weird backflip yeah uh, uh, off this bridge, and the Nazis end up driving off this bridge, and then go high in the air, and they and then they fall like forty thousand feet. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, right? But it, like, it was actually over a thousand feet, and they really did it. That's not a miniature. They dropped a Ford Pinto from the sky. Really? Yes. Which is such a mine into a like in the city. What? Yeah, that those shots. That's a real car falling past those buildings. That's how you create craters. A thousand feet is a long fucking way. Yes, they were way. very worried about doing it. 
They should have been. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, like John, I don't know. The shot where the car, the movie by the car goes through the uh, city, like Richard Daly building. Yes. Oh yeah. That really happened. What the fuck? They, um, they had breakaway glass, but the car did such damage on the floor <sighs> and on the walls. It cost them $8,000 to in 1980 to repair the damage done by the scene. The shot in the, the fuck the car chase in the mall. That that that's another thing. I had a huge problem with that. No one dri- No one's going to drive into a mall. No. And yes, and send, and then just haphazardly destroy every shop in the mall. That was in a real mall. <laughs> of course. Well, yeah. How else could you do it? They don't have CGI. Well, you of build a mall, I guess. But that so they, it was an abandoned mall. But they yeah. were going. But but it wasn't abandoned. Abandoned. They were going to do renovations on it. Oh my god. And they end up canceling renovations. That mall, I guess, end up standing until 2012. But it, the mall became synonymous with drug use and homelessness and real. The mall became like an epicenter of like badness. I mean, that in it, this town, that's what it deserved. And a part that. of it was because I think it would have been so hard. Some people said it would have been so hard to rebuild this mall because of the destruction <laughs> yes. from the Booze yes. Brothers. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. But like all of the, like, so like I'm watching. So I watched that scene, which goes on for way too long. The yeah, mall shot, it's, but it's it is wild. Yeah. Like there are extras dodging out of the way and like that almost get hit. I know it's fucked up. And then you see it. I, I mean, I've never seen a car in a, a movie. I've seen a lot of movies. I've never seen a car dropped from, a thousand feet from an airport. Like, yeah. you know, obviously you won't see the airplane, but it was dropped, you know, and you see the aftermath of being a car being dropped. It was, it's like flying by. Yes. Skyscrapers in Chicago. <laughs> yes. And like, and I've never seen, like, I've never seen a car drive through a city building before no like but then you look at the aretha franklin stuff yes okay so there's a scene where they're doing um she's singing and they have background dancers and they have uh uh it's a it's basically you have like six background dancers and she's singing to her boyfriend right okay landis is such a hack he cuts out three of the dancers and uh the saxophone player's head in the shot yes which is that is not a hard thing to shoot. I'm guessing it was even on a set. It was not really. A, it was not really a cafeteria. It wasn't in a diner. Right? You can tell it was on yeah, a set. Exactly. Like I mean, <laughs> if you can't. Okay, so if you're trying to get coverage of something, you move the camera back far enough. Okay, so let's say it's. I'll, I'll, let's be really kind. Let's say it's not on a set. Let's say it's a real honest to god. Yeah, place. so he doesn't have enough space behind. Right. Him. So then you just you squish the dancers in. Now I know it was already choreographed, but you can move in dance. I mean, that's just what you have to do sometimes. It right. Just, you would never. Or you don't do that shot, or you put the dancer somewhere else. You, you don't would put them on top of the counter. Never have a shot right. where you have half of a dancer. <laughs> right. It is so, and it, it, it's not a quick shot. It's a long shot, and it's like the only one he had. He couldn't shoot six people in a line, but he could shoot a car, a car dropping a And I'm just yeah. like, my mind is so fucked in this movie. And so I, I don't know if this is a good movie. I don't know if this is a bad. I don't know what the fuck I just watched. The other crazy thing is he has some other artistic shots too. Like the shots of the prison are pretty fucking the o- good. The opening shots are really good. The opening good. shots are really good. The way you see um, from a, far away to down looking at the machine. Shot. That's, that's actually a really cool shot. There's another one looking up the staircase to the nu- where the nun is where it's like all really topsy-turvy and yep. weird. And you got the Jesus kind of over there. That's all really like neat shots. I didn't like the nun payoff where she fucking she, exorcises her, herself backwards at the door. They were proud of own. that too because they did it again in the credits. That was, yeah, right. That was, stupid. that was stupid. But the shot up the stairs was really cool. Put you off balance. And then the prison stuff. So he has the ability, but does he just get high one day and say, I just, I'm not, I'm just going to mail it in on this one. Well, there were real problems with 
getting high, but it wasn't John. It was John Landis, it was John Belushi. Well, of course. So yeah. this film was a this was a disaster um, to make. I'm not surprised. It made it made money. Uh, in fact, it made uh, it, it ended up costing uh, over thirty thirty million dollars to make. Probably closer to thirty five, thirty seven to make. Um, which at the time is was never that was unheard of for a comedy. Yeah. Um, it ended up making over a hundred million. It made about fifty seven million uh, domestically and about fifty eight internationally. That's crazy. Which isn't strange now. In fact, now movies typically make more internationally. No, but then, but then for a comedy, yeah. With like, why would I? I still don't understand why it made so much. To, there must be somewhere I mean, to, for, in the world who loves SNL. SNL or it must be it like. Must be. Is it? Was it? I don't. Maybe it, I, I was once again. I know this kind of hurts. The show hurts our ability to the show a little bit. Like obviously, I know we were alive. But we really weren't for this time. Yeah. So I don't know what you know. Was Europe big in SNL and well, in the or whatever? Or? They must. Have, I mean, a lot of. So Barbara tells me that the that South America is like five years behind. Okay. So you you know the pop stuff that's popular here, you, they get it kind of five years later. Or that's what it was. You know, when she was growing up, it's not anymore because the internet. Right. Um, but that's right. how styles would would kind of start to filter its way in South mm-hmm. America. I would imagine that it's faster in Europe where there's less of a uh, language barrier. There's probably more people in, you mm-hmm. know, England and Europe. Well, Paris is so fashion forward too. Exactly. So I, pro- and it would have been the kind of the cool thing. SNL would have been SNL the cool so thing. Cool. Yeah. And Belushi was so cool. And Belushi was so cool. So I do, I can believe it more than other comedies yes i i i was shocked to see that just because i you just never see numbers like that with a no. movie in 1980 or you, actually not, not only 1980 i mean 1980s yeah you never see a split like that right uh and uh so that was crazy but so the movie made a ton of money it made all of its money back it you know and then some but uh so initially it got greenlit they wanted to be 12 million they got greenlit for 17 and the joke was the first day of shooting, we've already spent that seventeen. Oh like, like if you look at the if you look at the script, the car chases, the crashes. Oh yeah, there were more cars destroyed in this movie than any movie in history up to this point. And the record got broken by the Bruce Brothers sequel by one car. Fucking stupid. And then it got broken again by a GI Joe movie, and that's I guess the current record holder for oh, most cars in movie. Yeah, you look at that cop pileup, but, but and it's I, like forty cars. Yeah, and that's just one. There's a number of cop pileups. Right. Um, it's just madness, and um, and and that's just cars. Like I said, you know, they literally dropped a car off an airplane like this is such a mindfuck um so uh that was a problem right you have this the script that has all these action sequences in a comedy so it's a tough marriage there from a budget perspective the other issue is you have your lead actor who has a major cocaine addiction yeah and um you're also shooting in chicago where he has a number of dealers and he has a number of people that want to hang out with him and he has a number of ways for him to get drugs so you know it was not uncommon for the you know you get there at 9 a.m to do your morning shoots and you know a lot of this stuff is shot exterior right i mean that it's like outside yeah so So you're depending on daylight depending on coverage things like that so like you know you go there you shoot and your guy's not there and he doesn't get there till like two well you just lost a whole you know whole day of shooting now right so that's gonna delay and that's gonna you know make things rise up so like you know it was not like you know i guess bushu would go out every night um people would slip him heroin or slip him coke (sighs) Because uh, they all want to, ha- everyone wanted to have their Bushi story, you know, and everyone wanted to have that, you know, that that interaction with him. Also, didn't help that he was surrounded by a bunch of enablers, you know. Yeah. You had, I, I think I guess at one point Landis went to Carrie Fisher and said, "Hey, you got to help keep John away from drugs." Well, Carrie Fisher had a major drug problem. Yeah, so what's she <laughs> so, gonna do? So she's out partying with him, like she's like, that's like you know, that's, that's, uh, <laughs> he's my boy. No, that's it's a- not. That's like you know, asking Al Capone to stop the mafia. You know, like it's like, what are we doing here? Yeah. So uh, Ackroyd uh, didn't use drugs as much as John, but definitely like to party have fun you know these are, these are guys in there you know uh 
Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I think Ackwood wasn't even 30 yet, yeah. uh, and Bushi might have been 30. Uh, I think he might be like 29 at the time they're shooting this. So those young guys uh, who have a predilection for partying, at one point, Landis goes into uh, Bushi's trailer uh, and to find him because he's not there, and there is a mountain of cocaine on the table, and Bushi breaks down in, in tears and is like, listen, I have a major drug yeah. addiction here. Uh, doesn't quite say he needs help, but says this isn't working. Like I, I yeah. something has happened. Yeah. So they call, uh, Bushi's wife, Judy, uh, Judith Bushi, who is, um, a complicated figure in some ways. She seems like she's a very kind person. And I don't know if I would say she's a good wife. If you read wired by Bob Woodward, yeah, he touches on a lot of it. Uh, she did not like that interpretation of, of, of their relationship at Woodward. I mean, Bob Woodward's one of the guys that helped uncover Richard Nixon. Like, right, Watergate, he, yeah. you know, if you read wired, if it's not a fun read, but it is very well sourced. Yeah. You know, they didn't sue him, you know, like yeah. there was talk of a lot of legal action, but nothing really happens. Like, well, right. a lot of that shit was true. Yeah. And you know, Bushy spent the last night of his life with a woman drug dealer. I mean, I don't know. I doubt they, I don't think they had sex, but like, you know, it wasn't, you know, she wasn't there. Like, you know, like he's in LA. He wasn't shooting a movie. He was just like at the Chateau Maman. And like, he's just there having this woman who's like this groupie from the band, the band, the band, uh, Robert Robertson. Yeah. Uh, like this, you know, this groupie and, you know, shooting him into eight, 11 speed balls into his arm. Fuck. And it's like, all right, why are, that's weird for a married guy, you know? Well, yeah, but who knows if the wife, you know, maybe Judy was like, I can't, I can't be around you when you're, well, there was a lot of talk like that, but then she would get back in. If you read wire, it kind of goes into this, some of that, like things were so fucked up by the end. Like I I think we talked during the awakenings episode, like Robert De Niro and Robin Williams were like, Robin Williams was so freaked out by her. He's like, I'm leaving. This woman is trash. Basically like this woman is creeping me out. Yeah. I'm high on Coke. Right. I'm guessing De Niro is all fucked up too. They both were a mess and they're like, this is, we're a mess. This is so fucked up. I don't want to be part of this. Yeah. Like that's how fucked up it was. And they left. And then, you know, you know, uh, Bushi's trainer basically found him the next morning. Um, so, you know, this, the reason I say all that, you know, this is kind of the precursor to a lot of this stuff was the behavior on the set of Booze Brothers. Obviously you have the SNL stuff. He sure. was always fucked up, but it's when SNL ended in that routine, when they left SNL, uh, what happened was a uh, quick backstory on that too. They did four seasons of SNL. Uh, they had done 1941 for Steven Spielberg, yeah. who's in Blues Brothers. Yeah. Uh, he uh, is at the end. He's actually quite good. Uh, and um, so they do 1941. And, you know, I think at that point, Lauren Michaels sees that, all right, my guys are doing Steven Spielberg movies. It's probably time to move They on. are under contract yep. for one more year. But you know what? Lauren, Lauren thought, you know, it's like, I'm leaving myself. Lauren was so pissed at NBC and so annoyed with everything, just doing the show. He's like, I'm leaving at the end of next year anyway. It almost like he had senioritis was like fuck it i don't really care if people right. show up so he basically they were under contract but he allowed them to he leave. just let them do whatever they want and to do. you know that season's wild i talked about before like bill murray basically is playing every white <laughs> male yeah and like yeah. if you watch 1980 the 79 80 snl i think it's available on peacock uh you will it, there's also our dvds available as well but you, he's in every sketch it's wild i've never seen anything like it it's insane but um Bushi and aqua became movie stars yeah and you know they uh and this was one of the first things they they did really after snl officially and um so Bushi didn't have that nine to five schedule anymore not that snl had one but whatever you still have no, a show every week exactly so you know that the end of the week is going to be the fucking show and so of course there's a pattern it's there. a little like, structure at least right exactly it gives you something and lauren you know lauren fired bushy a million times always hired him back obviously but at least there was someone to kind of although 
if you want to call Warren Michaels enabler, I, I can't really argue that. You know, look at you know. Well, Belushi's a star too. It's hard. It's hard. It, you're you're battling a tough. A tough I mean, I don't situation. know. I don't know if anyone's yeah. going to control John. I mean, his right. wife certainly couldn't. Yeah. Warren Michaels certainly couldn't, and John Landis certainly couldn't. Yeah. But Landis at least was able to be like, listen, um, we're let's let's just try to control yourself in Chicago, and then we're going to move some shooting to L.A. So the scene in the ballroom that was um I'm sorry the ball like the auditorium at the, at the end at the end yeah that's in L A well that makes sense you can do that there. you can do that there right, right? and you yeah. have like interiors there and everything that's actually a good that's that's good but All part of is. the reason they did it I think it was always going to go there but a big reason they kind of like oh, let's get going is get him out of Chicago. get him out of Chicago like yep. Chicago was a mess right. like it was just like it was just a, it was a madhouse and it really it really delayed production so stuff like the coverage stuff when I see the Aretha Franklin stuff it drives me crazy but then I'm thinking like oh my god I wonder if like they were supposed to get more coverage. But Belushi like didn't show up the that, next day. That could have been, or like, like it was just such a bizarre and and not only that, but the band was all fucking on shit too. I'm sure. And they were getting stuff to Belushi, and you had all you know everyone involved with this movie was it was basically like a madhouse. Yeah. And there was no real you know the screenwriter is or Ackroyd <laughs> and Landis. Yeah. Ackroyd is you know. Uh, it's his buddy. He's out there with him too, having a good time. Landis is just trying to cut and keep the fucking ball rolling. Yeah. Okay. So I feel for Landis then he's in a tough reason, a really tough spot here. He's given a script that's way too fucking long that he's got to deal with. Right. He's dealing with people who are coked out of their fucking mind. Yes. Trying to make this goddamn movie and the costs are ballooning all over the place. Like I, I, I feel for him. Yeah. I, I was annoyed at times with some of the shots, uh, there, uh during the Rita Franklin too. There's a, uh, I think where they're clapping, and the claps are out of sync. Oh, man. And it's just like... <sighs> that. Actually, they were way more forgiving of that in the 80s than they are now. Probably. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, I or I'll, like, I, I look at people's hands, too, when they're playing instruments and just to see if they're actually doing what yeah. they're doing because, you know, not everybody would notice it, but I totally notice. Um, and they were way more forgiving back then. I usually now. don't notice those things. So but if I'm noticing here, it's yeah. a problem. <laughs> too much. And there was, like, continuity errors throughout the movie. Like, they just, like, there were little things. And I'm sure a lot of it had to do with... I, you had the musicians on set for only a couple of days. It's such a weird, yes, Akron Bushi and to some extent, Carrie Fisher are, are in the movie throughout, but like the other ones aren't. Oh, by the way, too, Fisher is engaged to Akron during this whole That's time. Right. Yeah. Um, proposed uh, on set and then, um, they were still engaged when the movie shoot ended, I believe when production ended, but then shortly after she left Akron to go back to Paul Simon, who she was dating before. Yeah. Uh, and then of course that divorce, uh, between, um, uh, Carrie Fisher and, and Paul Simon led to Graceland, right? Yeah. Which is, you know, uh, thank God for that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> pretty much. Uh, you know, G- Carrie Fisher. This is uh, interesting from her perspective too. You know, they, this is a weird movie for her to do. She's not a like. She's she's actually she's an evil character. It's not a weird movie if you understand if if you were alive then. Uh, and I'm a big comedy nerd, a big SNL nerd. Yeah. So she was a regular person in that world mm. so she does star wars in 77 yeah. becomes a huge star um kind of just gets caught up in a lot of everything you know yeah. drugs the party life hanging out at snl she was she uh was one of the guests in season four like kind of their peak um but she would pop up at, at backstage at snl all the time uh paul simon uh and lauren michaels are very good friends so that's kind of how she got integrated with that world too I see that. and then next thing you know she's hanging out with Ackroyd and Bushi right. all the time yeah, yeah. and um so it almost honestly she was such a part of that orbit it would have been so strange if she wasn't in it believe it or not even okay. though it is strange but you think about it if you're a film goer in 1980 that summer you know there were three movies related to cineplex you know you had the shining which we talked about yep you had this movie and you had uh, empire strikes back right so she's in two of the 
you know, three big movies that summer. Um, so, it was, you know, her career never quite, this is kind of the peak for her acting. She ends up becoming a very talented writer. Uh, you know, she's Carrie Fisher, a very interesting character, really funny person. She's a great, like late night guest. She's, you know, was a great, like, you know, she, no, but this was her peak uh, is, you know, as a movie star. Yes, it yeah. really was. She went on, she did like, she had, and then I think she kind of knew that. Like she was able to throw it into like neutral pretty quick. She did like a man with one red shoe with uh, Tom Hanks. That's right. Um, she did Hannah and her sisters, Woody yeah. Allen. And then she went and did the burbs by the end of the decade. But by then it's almost like a support. You know, those are all in supporting roles sure. though. Like she, you said, you said movie star. This really is. I know she's, she's obviously in return of the Jedi, but it's a star Wars. Like, and even, even the star Wars movies, she's not, she's not like, she's the, really not. She's not the focal point. She's, she's really not. She, you know, she's certainly not the main character. It's Luke. And then, you know, after that, you like, want, it's, like, it's like I watched Ford. this and I'm like, wow, she's so pretty on screen. She's really pretty. And it's like, why? And she's very smart. Like she, there's a lot of your favorite movies. She was a script doctor on. Yeah. Like she was scripted on, on like dozens of movies where they would call her in because she was so smart and be like, all right, we need to punch the script up with some jokes and she's yeah, very yeah, funny. Yeah. So like she is a really smart person. She's very pretty. Obviously she has some major drug issues and she yeah. had some mental health issues. Yeah. But like, why didn't it work? I don't, it must've been that stuff. Sometimes you're too smart. And, and uh, when you're really smart, it's hard to handle that type of fame too. The type of fame that was, she got after star Wars and then, you know, empire. It's like, I, I yeah, maybe she just couldn't handle that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it was also part of... Or it could be the drugs, could be the mental health stuff. I, and the also relationship, relationship issues, you know, obviously yeah, sure. Ackroyd and her, but like... High profile relationship But the Paul Simon thing, right. like that was on and again, off again, on again, off again, on again, off again. So three different times That's they broke right. up and every time they broke up was pretty messy. Yeah. And it was, but it's just like, it was interesting that she went so quickly to being like into the supporting roles. Like she's like, she really almost never was a true leading. She did one movie with Chevy Chase uh, about like a behind the scenes and like, uh, the thing is called Over the Rainbow. It's a Wizard of Oz I have no idea what that is. Yeah, I know, right? I, I I've never seen it. Um, but it 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 came out. It cost eighteen million to make it. Made eighteen million. Made its money back. Um, it was when? not a huge hit. It was kind of a box office disappointment. When it, was it? Uh, eighty one, I think. Okay, so we're or seventy nine. No, I right. never. Yep. No, no. Nope. And that's peak Chevy. I love Chevy. It was in peak the next Chevy, peak Harry Five Fisher. six years, yeah. And it was like a behind the scenes thing with Wizard of Oz, but it had a bunch of like uh, a little people in it. It was. I, I don't know. I don't, I only read about it. I don't know, but they did this movie and it, you know, didn't quite, but other than that, she really, when was she really a leading lady? I obviously, like you said, star Wars, she's not this, but she's not, she's not the star of the film star. Yeah. Right. Like she, you know, you know, and, and this movie obviously is a very supporting role. You can, you can make the case that she's the third most important in the series. Maybe yeah. even the fourth, fourth in star. Right. Yeah, yes. so I don't Well, yeah, because you got Darth Vader, too, so... And you have Obi-Wan fourth. in the first one. Right, so maybe even fifth or sixth. Sometimes. I know. And you got Yoda in there, too, so... I I, yeah. And, and honestly, if you're competing with Yoda and a guy in a black mask, <laughs> right. like Darth Vader, like, you're probably... It's probably not, like, a leading... A typical leading lady role. No, it's not. Like, she never really was a true leading lady. Which no, is she wasn't. Because I think she's, like... She's good, and she's smart. But some of that charisma doesn't always... Go, she's more charismatic off She can be really smug. Yeah. That's a tough thing too. Like even you look at her in the most recent Star Wars films, and she's really smug. Like she's not a very warm character. She's not. Um, and I mean, even ha- you know her and Harrison Ford, their chemistry is kind of strange too. I think it's um, well, they had an affair in the first movie. Yeah, and and they're all they're just they're combative, and that's fine. And so, but sometimes it's more. Uh, you know, who did um, like romancing the stone and Jewel of the Nile? Yeah, that's a combative relationship between Michael Douglas and um, Kevin Turner. Kevin, but it's more fun. Like they're both more fun yeah it's goofy about it where this is not well, the dialogue is also much better in it is yeah too, it allows um, for that so she's not 
I mean, I like her, but she, but she's not. Yeah, she's she can be smug. She's she can be, she can be smug and she yeah. can be cold on screen. Yeah, she is like even in movies like The Burbs, where she's supposed to be a warm suburban housewife. There is a bit of a coldness. So there. she plays Tom Hanks's wife in that movie. She plays with Tom Hanks twice. She's man, man, one red shoe and The Burbs. Yes. Yeah, I don't. I've saw him so long ago. I yeah, don't remember she in the and she has like an. I forget man, I know she has like a um bedroom scene but she's in like a, a bedroom typey scene with her with with hanks in, in that movie interesting with hanks that's with a hanks. strange thing about but then like in the burbs she's just like his wife and it's just like a t- typical yeah. like domestic right. you know or whatever typical like you know marry you don't see anything right you know, it's a, a movie's more for kids um but yeah then she kind of just like oh she does and then she plays like in um my sleep was in seattle she's like isn't she like meg ryan's buddy i think you're right oh, she becomes like this like third fourth fifth the sixth wheel yeah. the friend in a lot of these movies right and yeah, it's just, it's odd to be, like, I was watching this. I'm like, why isn't she like, what happened? Yeah. Why wasn't, why wasn't she a huge star yeah. in the early, early to mid eighties? Yeah. And it just, it just didn't work out. Yeah. Cause she's as pretty as anybody else who was, oh, in, yeah. you know, who, who was out at that time. Right. From like 77 to 83, like there aren't too many prettier girls than no, than no. Carrie Fisher. It's and like, a, she's also like smarter than almost all of yeah actors and actresses in Hollywood. Cause look at her rest of her time. Like she, accomplished writer she's right really bright <laughs> well maybe she liked that better too maybe she just didn't want to take any I know, my mom's famously you know obviously debbie, debbie reynolds right. was a huge star so maybe she right maybe it wasn't as important to her i don't know it's, it's interesting it's an interesting look and she had she had obviously had a very interesting life can we talk about some of the other bizarre stuff in this movie sure why the fuck were the good old boys angry no idea it, it makes why, no sense why did okay so that scene so right so okay i have a lot of questions about that scene that are never, that are never justified right so they go uh the booze brothers go to a bar country western bar it says there's supposed to be a band called the good old boys that are supposed to play there they take their spot and play the good old boys after they're done with their set the booze brothers yep. they go out and that's when the good old boys show up why were the good old boys so late exactly why would they have just shown up on time and there could be some sort of confrontation or something that and why does Bushi then Talk to, why don't they just get in their car and go? That's all you have to do is go away. But instead, Belushi then ha- strikes up a conversation with one of the good old boys and then kind of blows their spot. And then there's a car chase ensues. So I don't even get why he didn't say that. To, so the manager of the uh, of, of this country western bar says, you owe, you owe us a hundred bucks because you drank all this beer. Why wouldn't he have said, well, the good old boys or, or the, you know, those guys in the van are going to take know. care I of, the, to say. of the of the bill. And that never happened. So like, I don't understand the confrontation there. It made no sense. That was terrible writing because you had, you, you could have done something with no that. justification. No. And then, right. But so it's then, never explained also why they're so late, which is a real bizarre thing. That is thing. a bizarre thing too. Cause like you didn't call like, it's just, By the time it's they just got too there, convenient. there were no customers in the bar. Right. It's just too convenient. It's very they strange in there because they, That's what I mean, like, I know you have like a, your host of the Corano plot points or potholes there, but I, I, uh, <laughs> it's almost like we can talk about it, but like, we're just going to be like, yeah, that's a pothole. Like there's nothing like it's such a mess. Like this movie, like the, the plot elements of this movie, they didn't give a shit. Like, no. And this was written by a guy that was probably on a lot of drugs. And then it was pared down by someone who was just trying to make it work. And the only reason the movie got made at all is because these guys had the number one show on TV and had a number one record. Yeah. Because the Blues Brothers had a number one album before this movie. So, like, all right. So, Bushi and Ackroyd are famous. They want to make a movie. movie. It doesn't really matter what it's about. It doesn't really matter what happens in it. Uh, there was a fight uh, behind the scenes. I, I mean, we, but like, so like uh, the studio wanted them. What's the car wash song at the car wash? Yeah. Car wash. Yep. They wanted that guy to be in the movie. I thought the that singer, or whoever that woman. Oh, I'm sorry. That. Woman. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, they wanted that. They didn't want Ray Charles. They didn't want Aretha Franklin. They wanted the car wash. People. What the fuck? Well, because at that point, it was a bad time in their like the late seventies, yeah. early eighties. They were parts. like, yeah, no one cared about these people. Like, right. like Cab Calway. We want the car wash lady. Right. That makes sense. And uh, to Ackroyd and Belushi's credit, they held their ground. Like, no, this is what we're doing. Yeah, because it's not it's not R and B anymore. If you go to car wash, it's kind of it's on the fringe of R and B. So that that wouldn't have. That wouldn't have, but the studio was like, hard to justify. The studio actually had like a call with them. It was like they were basically lecturing Belushi and Ackroyd what the kids are like. And Belushi and Ackroyd like, we are the most like popular people among <laughs> right. kids. Like, what the right, fuck right. are you talking about? Uh, so they held their ground, and because yeah. of it, the movie really does hold up a lot better. Because Aretha Franklin and Ray Charles, obviously, you know, Titans. Two of my favorite. Aretha Franklin is one of my favorite artists, and I love Ray Charles too. He's got just such a phenomenal voice. I've said this before. Her, if you've never heard Aretha Franklin's "Young, Gifted, and Black." You have to you have to listen to that album. It is it is a phenomenal album. It's one of my favorite albums, top twenty album for me. I love that album. They are titans in their field. Some of the best. Even if you don't, and I think they're both great too. But even if someone isn't a huge fan of theirs, there's no question they've stood the test of time. Oh, they're legends. Yes. They you know legends. they are they are absolutely like yeah you know legendary figures in music. Um, the car. I don't even. Like I said I don't even know the car. I don't know. I, I, I don't do know a pop culture. I don't, I don't know the fucking yeah. this one. I don't even know. I don't know. I, don't I know care. that it was covered by like. Uh, by like a group like Missy Elliott in some, okay, you know, sure. whatever, some other yes. time later on. But I, I, I don't know. But that's what the, the studio is pushing at these kind of like more disco or studio. more like modern yeah. things. And they're like, no. So I give them a lot of credit for holding the ground there. So what else? Do you have any other potholes you want to talk I about? I don't know. We don't have to. I mean, the we police can. are just I mean, so it, stupid the entire stupid. time. Like I just not. So that. I guess the question then, you know, if we're going to review this uh, or try to, it's very hard. This is very challenging. I'm going to give it a C. I'm not going to, I'm not going to recommend it. That's um, so then why not a C minus? I like to talk you down. Uh, because I don't know where to fall with this. I, yeah. I don't, I mean, it's cause it is both good and bad, but I'm not, I can't, I would, I would, I would not write. It's a very light non-recommendation for you, but I would say like, if you like Ackroyd and Belushi, see it. If you like Ray Charles and Enrico Franklin, that, that kind of musical, like I see it. But like, if you have really no interest in, or not a lot of interest in those two things, like stay away. The other issue is the keyboard player. When they go into Ray Charles's shop and they're looking at all the music equipment, um, he, he takes a look at, Oh, the keyboard player looks at the Rhodes the piano. He would fucking know what that is. Like that is a legendary keyboard. Yeah, but you have to do that for the audience. So that's fine. It's, no, that's okay. I hate that stuff. Eh. It makes us feel so yeah, stupid. Small. A bigger issue is like they walk into that fancy restaurant and their customer says they smell bad. We never explain. We never understand why the booze brothers smell no. bad. Nor does anyone else say they smell <laughs> no. bad again. No. So if that's the thing, so okay, they smell bad. Okay, fine. But now other people have to then recognize they yeah, smell the bad. Of the- it can't just be one guy who has a sensitive nose because no. it kind of doesn't, it doesn't really make any sense. No, it doesn't. So what's like, John Candy doing in this movie? Ah, it's, it's a, what's Steven Spielberg doing in this movie? I guess. I mean, they're all, you know, well, Spielberg and Landis, are, of course, are very good. We're very good. We're very good friends. They still are. Obviously, you know, the, then Twilight Zone happened. Spielberg kind of lassoed Landis into Twilight Zone, and that literally ended up people's heads getting chopped off. Right, so it, it just doesn't really work out. <laughs> uh, oh, oh um, who'd you ask why he's in this? Oh, Candy. Oh, because he's friends with those guys. That's stupid. John Candy's so much better than that. He doesn't even have he really a role. He wasn't better than that then, though. Yeah, you're right. In 80, yeah, you're right. He's like SCTV. He's like doing Canadian, like, SNL. Like. He was much better off. I, 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 what's, I mean, Belushi, that's the thing with Belushi. Like, I mean, he's really kind of neutered in this movie. Oh, he is. He's, he's very subdued. If you even look at the rawhide scene where, yeah. where they're performing, right, in that, in that same country bar we were talking about before, there's chicken wire, all, you know, and people are throwing bottles the entire time. Actually, even when they like it, which is yes, crazy. Which, you actually, the other thing is you have people picking up the, bo- like the glass bottles. And people are throwing the, bottles. Throw, <laughs> right. 
people clicking, kick, uh, picking up the piece of glass from the, and they're not getting cut. It's just in their bare hands. They're not sweeping it. That doesn't make any sense. But during that scene, you have it's Ackroyd who's really yes, you know, singing and being and being animated, and you just have Belushi move him up. Well, was Bushi coming off of a fucking bender? Could have been, but that's the thing is he he has subdued this entire. You don't see the same guy who I didn't like the guy in Animal House, but you don't see the same guy. No, you see a very subdued guy, and you're waiting for him to like go after it to like do something big, and he he just really doesn't. I guess he performs. So maybe in the church in the beginning with James Brown, he sort of he's it's him that sees the light, and he you know he he doesn't actually do the backflip, so he gets a little bigger then. But no, he's a very it's not the same Belushi that we're used to. Well, of course, they go to uh, L.A. to shoot that scene in the theater. Yeah. Right before they're about to shoot it, something happens. I don't know. I, f- I forget what or if it's a lie. But he, he fucking, his knee gets off. Bushy's knee gets off. Oh, up. I didn't know that. Yeah. So they had <laughs> to then call in a, uh, like a like the top orthopedic guy in L.A. who then shoots insane amount of anesthesia oh, into sure. his knee. Yeah. So they can do the stuff, but it definitely limited some of the moves that he could do in that scene. Belushi's became a headache and and this, and this transcended into a, he does a movie called Continental Divide after this with Blair Brown the Excellent. actress I've never seen it it's more of a dramatic role um he plays a uh, a, uh, a Chicago uh newspaper columnist who falls in love with a like a bird watcher or something yeah. like that um and then he follows it's a, a ser- more serious movie it gets lukewarm reviews I think Blair Brown might get nominated for a golden globe with it but like it's just kind of a eh, movie kind of comes and goes and then he does a movie called Neighbors. This is where everything is all fucked up. I don't know if we would if we're cover Neighbors. I don't know how easy it is to find if we run into it or not. If we do run into it, I kind of would love to cover it. Um, yeah, it is a disaster. It is with John G. Alvelson's director. He directed Karate Kid and of Rocky. Course, yeah. Of course, He also directed Rocky V. Uh, right, so, right. you know, John G. Alvelson's kind of up and down. Um, and it's a uh, written uh, script by Larry Gelbert, who he wrote MASH, who's the MASH mm-hmm. showrunner. Yep. Um, and it's immediately a disaster on set. Aykroyd... Ackroyd is playing the wacky character. Belushi's playing the more straight-laced character. Yeah. Ackroyd and uh, it's Kathy Moriarty, I believe, from Raging Bull, uh, move into the, the house next door. And uh, Ackroyd is so crazy and wacky and it drives Belushi kind of a more straight-laced guy crazy. Right. But like it was weird that they were playing against type, the two of them. You yeah. Know, and, so that, and then Belushi's drug use became... Too over the top. Literally, it, you know, it killed him because that's what, that's what started this. And... Uh, and then, you know, uh, movie comes out in December and then, uh, you know, he's dead, uh, by April, the next year, April of 82. Uh, so, you know, think about this movie, when this movie, Bruce Willis come out, you know, Bushy's dead in less than two years. Yeah. You know, like you're seeing a guy that's like, you know, having Way some major issues. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, going down. yeah. Is he, is he dead? Yeah. I mean, in 81, when he's doing contents of it, it sounds like he actually got a shit together. I think he had a few months where he was so- sober, which is funny because Farley, the same thing happened to him. Probably had a few months where he, he was did. sober and then it all goes off. I think 94 was the year. Just all, no, not 94, I'm sorry. 97, right? Uh-huh. Whatever the year, oh, last year was like with 97, I think. Uh, that whole year was basically like a death spiral. But like the year before, he had a few months of clarity. Yeah. And then, um, I, know, I, know that's, I know that's typical with people who have, you know, people in their 30s, at, early 30s that die of drugs. Do they have like a four month, is that typical? They have like a, like a remission, if you will. I, I imagine if you relapse after that, then you're going to relapse hard. And then I guess you're it, probably pretty susceptible it's a to, you can come back from. Yeah. Cause if you've already hit sort of your, your, your break, your bottom, right. Yeah. And then that, that spurs you into action. So you right. clean up your life. 
I would imagine um, your body's still pretty fucking brittle after that. And yeah, if you relapse and you relapse hard, and then you just go you. like off, yeah, you know, just go completely. Because you probably go back into your same pattern I mean, like you just, immediately. It's it, like no ramp up. The thing with Farley though, and I think that happened with Bush too. If you believe Wired, uh, not only did they go back in the same patterns, the patterns then became like so much worse. Yeah, like you know, they were just you know they brought it to a new level of dis- disparity where they were you know acting. Uh, rudely out and sure. you know they were being cruel or being nasty or just uh, the druggies just never stopped before it was like all right maybe like they do it every night but now they're doing it every they're all day minute of every day yeah like, it's right. just insane it's just high they're, from the morning the right and then they'll find and then both farley and Bushi found these people like these grifters and people like they started hanging out with people because <laughs> yeah. the people that they regularly hung out with didn't want to do they're it all done. the time yeah this is that's it i can't or they were, maybe got older like i right. don't you know because now you think both Bushi and farley died at 32 like i don't want to I'm 30. Like I can't do this anymore. I'm going to bat. I don't like my drinking curbed a lot in my thirties. Like I'm, you know, I'm not going to do this. So they find new people to hang out with yep. that will do it. And you know, those people typically aren't friends. They don't have stuff going on. Like they don't have a right. career and they are. Yeah, and they're there for, they're usually, certainly not at the top of their career. Like, right. you know, like the friends that he's got on SNL. Like Farley, right. Right. Like, right. You know, like Farley had Sandler and Tim Meadows yeah. and those guys who really had his back spade. You know, those guys, you know, the guys that Farley at the end of his life hanging out with was like these Chicago grifters. Right. And then Sandy Belushi, he had, think about the guys that he hung out with, uh, you know, Ackroyd who had his back, Judy Belushi who loved sure. him, um, you know, these other people who, who had it in his circle. And then next thing he knows, he's stuck with, you know, the groupie from the band. <laughs> right. Um, the difference with Farley. Not even the band. Yes. Uh, the, right. The difference between Farley and um, uh, Belushi was uh, the, the woman who, shot up Bushi. actually served uh, over a year in jail she just died in august jesus christ a year ago yeah but she sure she actually served time the girl that shot farley up did not well there you have it i i don't have warm feelings for Bushi, honestly that'll play i later. don't either We're i have do way, our- way warmer feelings towards farley me too. And maybe that's just because of when we were alive, but I do like the old Saturday Night Live stuff. I think it's I think it's odd and interesting. Uh, but wa- I like the cast in the 90s. Too. I've watched every episode of the 70s of Bushi's SNL. Yeah. Um and I also there's a dark edge to Bushi and this there kind is- of a nastiness to him that uh, it doesn't uh, and yes it is kind of it must the other thing too is I didn't watch it live, obviously. So the idea that he could do any at any time is kind of lost on me because when I saw it, it already happened. So yeah. that risk is gone. Right. You know, um, I imagine when, if you watched Bushi live, it would be a different experience. Probably. It must be like thrilling. Like this guy could really like almost come through my TV screen anytime. Particularly because he was different than the other cast members in that way. Like, and the show was different. Like the show that. was revolutionary and wild. Anyway, now you have the most revolutionary wild guy possible on this right. show that already is breaking. But it doesn't hold up the same. It was just, you now. just know like a tape. It's like, all right, well, yeah, I know it can't hurt me now. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? It's, yep. it's, it's safe now. Where Farley doesn't feel like that. And maybe you're right because we watched it live. Because I was watching it live then. But Farley never had that edge that Bushy had either. Though. No, he's Nowhere a lot warmer. Near. He's a lot, much kinder presence on screen. Yeah. Um, Sad. As far as yeah like, so anyway, yeah. um so this movie i i i will not recommend it but i um d for me which is sad because i had i had warmer feelings like I, when i watched it in high school i liked it more and mostly pro- because of the music performances i wouldn't have known cab calloway i probably have heard of him i wouldn't have known all these people i would have heard of but i wouldn't have known them the same way uh so seeing them then i would have been like holy shit and the movie would have had a bigger effect on me but now it, it just doesn't it's just odd. Nothing's explained. Everything's absurd. I don't like it when everything's absurd like this. You've, it, it doesn't, you, you have to tell me why shit's happening. You have to justify. Something. You have to justify things. You can't just have things happen. It's lazy. 
And it's like, oh, random. Well, random is not necessarily funny. It's not funny. That's the problem. Like, random's easy. Like, yep. anyone can do a random joke. I can just say Webster for no reason. It's like, all right, well, yeah, Webster was a show in the 80s, but... Yeah. And it is. It was a kind of a. If you look at it, it's kind of a uh, ridiculous show. Sure. But just saying Webster isn't funny. No. But if you have context behind it, you can justify why you're saying. Then it is funny. Coming to America, every single action was justified, and it's a much funnier movie because of that. I wonder if Landis looks back on this not fondly, and like this movie sucks compared no, to Coming to America. No, no, Landis loves this. That's I mean, this stupid. movie made him a lot of money. Yeah, I think Landis looks at Blues Brothers 2000 not very fondly. Yeah, I, but this movie, I mean, I think Landis has you know personal issues now. His son has a lot of personal issues. Landis himself kind of got thrown into the Me Too umbrella there. I mean, now he's a 71-year-old man. So I, I think Glenn is probably, oh, this is great. This is glory days. This is yeah. wonderful. I, I don't think, you know, this Animal House, Trading be- Places, and Coming to America are his... The latter, you, you can be proud of, but those... the Animal House America, has ugh. things to like about This movie has things to like about it. It has things to... Yeah, it's just not good. It's not well-crafted. Uh, he does have some good shots. He does have... There's, also, there's moments. He also may have been more hamstrung than we know. It's true. I can see that. So we are, do you want to do our, our SNL? Yeah, yeah, let's talk about that while we're so here. We have, so we're going to do our dream SNL cast. Now, there's no real rules to this. Uh, you can have you can have as few as six people in your cast you want, and you could really have as many as 19. I think 19 is the most they ever had in a cast. I like to keep it to 8 to 12. Matt, you have seven years. That's fine. That just makes it harder for you. Um, but how are we doing this? We're just going to name so them? So I have mine in alphabetical order, but you can do however you want. Um, do you want to go, uh, maybe you just, I don't think one I go least work. To. I think you need to just maybe just, Doing a least to worst. I mean, I mean, sorry. The my my seventh to one. I would do. You can do that. Sure. I think that's how I feel about it. Sure. Go for go for it. Gilda Radner is number seven. Okay. Really love Gilda. Um, Bill Hader would be six. Yep. Andy Sandboard would be five. Actually, not I think on my you, list. I think you need that musical element. Oh, his his music stuff is great. Dick okay. in a box. Kind of goofy and stupid. I like it. The chronic the Chronicles of Narnia is a great. So that's it's that is super smart. It's the Chronic Coles of Narnia mm-hmm. is super smart. Um, I, I, his music stuff is okay. The rest really of his like sketch it. stuff, though, is, is... I'm not a huge fan of his sketch stuff, but I think you need that element. If you only have seven people, you gotta, it's going to be a tight, t- tough show. Chris Farley is uh, is four. Eddie Murphy's three. Phil Hartman is two. Oh, sorry. Bill Murray's three. Eddie Murphy's two. Phil Hartman's one. Yeah, solid. That's a solid list. I mean, Phil's my favorite. You only have one woman in your cast? I know. It's well, a tough like, show to put on. I, I mean, this is, you're putting on it. This is your dream cast, so it's, it's going to be a lot of Gilda. I know, but... Gilda that, and, Gil, yeah. I love Gilda. She's, she's great. Some of the, like, I love Ann Kirchin. Um, Jane Kirchin? Jane Kirchin, stupid. Jane uh, Curtin. Cur- it's Kirchin. No, it's Kirchin. Oh. Uh, don't you say it, Kirchin? I thought it was, it's, Cur- it's you say it, Curtin? I thought it was Kirchin. It's spelled Curtin. I know, but I thought you pronounced it Kirchin. No. Really? Yes. Okay, I believe you. <laughs> good. Uh, Tina Fey's good, but I never really liked Tina her Faye sketches. Tina Fey is good on Weekend Update. She's not great yeah. in sketches. And she's also more of a writer. She's a head writer. I'm a huge for Amy Poehler fan on the show. I think she's funny. Well, let's go through my list. Okay, let's go. So I do my list now for a quarter. Yeah. And my list is built, you know, when I do the Dreamcast, I, I take it pretty seriously as far as building together a cast that you could actually put on a show with. That's kind of the, I, that's how I, but everyone does their Dreamcast different. I mean, you didn't give me any parameters. There are no parameters. So I was just that, that's just how I look my at favorite. it. That's, um, that's a good way to look so at it. So here's, <laughs> I, I did mine alphabetical order. Uh, uh, so I have Dan Aykroyd. I don't get that, but go ahead. Do you didn't watch, I don't think you watched enough of this stuff. He was really good on the show. Like he was a really, he could be wacky, but he could also be, he also was a great impressionist. When I was younger, I definitely watched all of those episodes from whatever, 75 to 80. But he would do a Tom Snyder impression. That would be awesome. You probably don't even know who Tom Snyder is. I do know Tom. Oh, do you? Okay. What, what are you talking about? All right. Well, good for yeah. you. All right. A lot of people our age don't. So when they watch it, they don't, they see a Tom Snyder impression. They don't get like, so there, there can be some cultural things kind of lost to yeah. people who aren't super big pop culture nerds of that time. 
frame. You know what I mean? Like this stuff with the, the fish in the blender. Like that's fun. Like when he's the toy salesman, he sells glass in it. Like some of that stuff is really great. Yeah. Um, Ackroyd, I, he, I think he's really brilliant. Uh, Dana Carvey. Dana's good. Doesn't make my top, but he's, he's good. So you have to have an impressionist. I think, and I think it's either, he is very it's good either him or Daryl Hammond. Daryl right. Hammond is a mess. His major drug issues. Um, so you, do you want to deal with that? The other thing too is Dana Carvey can do stuff beyond impressions. He was great. Garth. Yeah, he was. He can act. Hammond can really only do impressions. Yeah. I saw Daryl Hammond, by the way, do a comedy seller and he was high as a kite. Mm. Um, so I have Chris Farley. If you notice, I don't have John Belushi. I have Chris Farley. Yeah. So, I, I, you, uh, I guess you can have both fat guys. I, I don't, I wouldn't want to deal with Belushi's bullshit. No way. I also just enjoy Farley's warmth more than. Oh my god, the Chip the devilish behavior. Uh, the Gap saleswoman, like all, he's 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 really funny. He's funny. The Chris Farley show. I just, I just like that. Yeah. His, I, I like what he brings to the table more. Fan it's more down fun. by the river. I know it's played out, but Matt it's still Foley's funny. A great the character. Time, it's so it's funny, so funny. The time, so um, funny. But Belushi just like said that devilish, you know, arch. He did a lot of mugging. He does it in this movie too. And Blue's Brothers, it's a lot of like oh, yeah, silent the film eyebrows. with the eyebrows. Yeah. And it works for Bluto and Animal House because he's not in it very much. And it, don't get me wrong, he's he's the samurai character is very funny, and, on, funny. on SNL. Yeah, he did a great bit. One of my favorite bits in SNL is one he did by himself. It's a taped bit, and it's in black and white for some reason. But it's basically in the future, and it's him going to he's visiting the graves of all the dead SNL cast members. And, but he, the premise is that he's the last one left, which is ridiculous. Cause even back <laughs> then it was like, the Oh, drugs. he's the first one to yeah. die for sure. Cause he's such a mess. But um, it's a really great sketch. It's amazing. It's so dark. It's really funny. And he was acting in it. He was like really doing a good job, but then he would like check out of stuff. It's like, eh, do you want to deal with that? Yeah. Yeah. So I would awkward Kyrie Farley. The only modern, even really modern person I have on my list uh, is Bill Hader. Yeah. Um, who's another great impression, but also could do characters. Phil Hartman. He's the glue. He's probably the best SNL. We both agree on that. Love him. Uh, Jan hooks. Jan hooks. Yeah. She's so great. She could do everything. She could sing. She could, she could, yeah, she was incredibly funny. She could be like a good, like straight woman, but then she could also be wildly off, off, off the rails. Did she do that NPR one? Like the spice, like the spice. No, that's, uh, that's that's Anna Gasteyer. That's Anna Gasteyer. Yes. Yeah. Jan hooks uh, was late eighties, early nineties. That's right. Uh, but also Phil Hartman. Tammy Faye Baker did a lot of uh, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Norm Macdonald, my weekend update guy. I do like, I never, I like Norm off the show actually better. Oh, he's, I don't think he's, he's the best weekend update guy ever. There's no I one. I think he's all right. Who's a better weekend update guy. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Uh, um, <laughs> no, I, um, uh, what's his, what's his face? Uh, Dennis Miller. No. Okay. That's a fair. I'm, I wouldn't argue too much on that. Miller's great. Yeah. Um, I didn't choose him even though I liked him on that show. You have to have weekend update guy though. I sp- what? You didn't give me. You I wish you would have given me some parameters. But you would have given me some fucking parameters. Help a brother out. What do you want me to do? Just help him. Help. Just well, I don't. I said Dreamcast. I've been busy lately. But you. But I don't. How do I know you have questions unless you ask me? <laughs> just say. I just say this is the way that I'm going to play it. I don't. I don't. I didn't think that was. I. I don't know what I have to do. You have to. If you have questions, you have to let me know. <laughs> um. You have to. You have to ask. Like, what am I doing here? Like, I, oh, I'm. Here's. I'm doing this. To, well, know. tell me how you're going to do it. I say, I'm, I'm not going to actually that. do a cast. I said Dreamcast. If you had questions, but I, you asked <laughs> No, but I, it's on air. People go back and listen to it. It's on the record. No, I, I agree. You could have asked me then or any time. But I didn't think about the parameters. You could have just said, what, what are you putting what a list what together? What are you thinking about? <laughs> well, just like my favorite, my favorite people where you should have said, think about it in terms of you're putting a cast together. Who's actually going to do shows no. together. So here's okay. If you're, what were you thinking when you were putting the list I together? Just put, I to- just told you, did you not hear me? I just told you I was, Putting together my favorite people on the show. 
Okay, that's fine. You can do that. That's fine. But, but I, I didn't know I needed the glue guy and, you know, do well, enough female. You got the best glue guy. No, but it's because he's the best anyway. I, I did. I guess I kind of thought about like, oh, you need the musical person. I hope so. Yes, you do think about it. How do you not? If, here's I didn't what, think about it would be on the hook. If you texted me and said, Chris, what, what am I doing here? And I never got back to you. Then I'm on the hook. But I didn't have but you time. Need to, to, no, listen, they, no, you need to add. You need to. Be, I, I can't read your you mind. You know I've been so busy lately. You I can just understand. Help you've been busy, man. I produce the show. I deal with all the other stuff. You could just help me a little bit. I, with the I don't know. You need help. You have to let me know. I don't know. But I don't know how I, I need know help. You know, I thought you. Give me some parameters. Be the project manager for this motherfucker. This is your bit. Be the project manager. How do I know? Help me be successful. I'm not. I'm not a project manager. There's a reason I left corporate America. Of this bit. I don't do fucking pride. I don't like that. I never want to hear this All words again in my life. All you can do is just help. I'm just saying, just give me a little bit of indication of what we're going to do. This is on you. <laughs> you, if, if you. If you said you need help, I would have gladly helped you. I just didn't know that I needed help. I can't I didn't predict know the question. You, what you don't know. You could just say, this is the way that I'm going to do it. I would have thought you had seen Boy Meets World. Normally when I, would have thought, <laughs> I don't know what you don't know. Because normally when we do games, you're like, hey, we're going to do brackets or we're going to do blah, blah, blah. And you explain to me what the, the meaning of the game is. I didn't know this was a game, that they're all playing together. I didn't know that. I didn't know. How did you never have those with your friends? You just didn't. You never did with your friends? Like these music losers you hung out with? No, we actually went outside and played sports and shit. You just hung out outside. You went on a road trip with your buddies? No shit, man. I played sports. Matt, I played sports my whole life. I I have two. You act like you were the one in. (laughs) I. You were the one in the fucking Glee dorm. All the music stuff and the sports stuff. A multifaceted. Wow, so great. Yeah, you don't. You've never been on a road trip with your buddies and did a Dreamcast for SNL. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Probably not. Anyway, so did you finish your? Uh, I haven't yet because oh. you're because you're you're so transfixed on all how busy you've been. We are, we are, guess what, guys? Oh, let's just so we know, Matt's been busy. The audience does not care. No, no, uh, no, no one gives a shit. Uh, <laughs> Eddie Murphy. Uh, yeah, 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 it's got to be Bill Murray. Yeah, absolutely. Our list actually pretty similar. Your list wasn't bad. It just needs a little structure. Uh, Amy Poehler, I have. Uh, so you need. I, I, I have three women. It's probably still underserved. I wasn't going to put Kristen Wiig on. I know. I have worn, I think Amy Poehler was quite good she, on the show. I also, because at UCB, I've seen her a bunch. Yeah. And I have like, I just think she's really talented, really brilliant. Um, I, I, neither of us have Will Ferrell on our list. No, he's not. He's sort of the glue guy after, uh, after Hartman. Nah, he's not good. He's too wacky. He's annoying. He I also have Gilda Radner, of course. Gilda yeah, Radner she's, is, she's is uh, so good. Gilda Radner would make my top, Gilda yeah. Radner is my top female choice. Yeah, she's the she's, funniest. She's amazing. Um, but uh, Poehler is my third uh, woman pick. Uh, I don't know if I have. I don't have a fourth on here, which which might make my show difficult to produce. I the, other problem, the other problem is I'm more checked out by by uh, Polaris time time period too. So I have less warm feelings about that that time period. Why? I just didn't. I well, didn't, she's become really hyper progressive in the last like yeah, couple of years that, with some stuff. That, but, you know, like, but um, but uh, I uh, I she's really smart. She's yeah. really funny. Um, she can do some like she can do some impressions of. I mean. Uh, I know you don't like that show, but I liked her in 30 Rock when she would appear. Yeah, I don't like that show. Yeah. Uh, she would. She was great on Late Night with Conan O'Brien when she would show up as Andy's sister. Mm. Uh, and if you ever watched the old UCB Upright Citizens Brigade uh, show on Comedy Central, she was the only girl in a cast of four, and she was in every sketch, and she was always really funny. Um, I really enjoyed her in SNL, so I have no problem putting her on. I don't have a fourth. I don't have a, a fourth. Yeah. You know, um, you know, Kate McKinnon, I'm sure people, you know, I don't, I don't think she's, I don't think she's she, funny at all. I don't think she's funny. She, uh, she can do some, her Ellen impressions really, it is quite funny. It is yeah. quite good. Um, but her non, it just doesn't do it for me. I also just don't love the modern SNL. So maybe if no. she was on the shows in the late eighties, early nineties, she was on the seventies cast. You put her in a different time frame. I would 
but I just think the last 10 years have been abysmal. I like Kristen Wiig more than I like her. Me too. Yeah. And I've seen her in other thing, other things where I've liked her, Kristen Wiig, where I haven't seen. Um, Me too. You know what I mean? That, that's the same. I think Wig. Yeah, I think Kristen Wiig's a better actress. Although she maybe is. maybe Kate McKinnon will. Uh, there's a lot of talk. SNL is going through a major uh, overhaul this year, so it sounds like uh, rumors are Keenan Thompson, yeah. Pete Davidson, Kate McKinnon. I'm forgetting somebody else who's been on the show forever. Are all going to leave? So you have this, a lot of people are going to even including Kate McKinnon. So sure. She's going to go do film, obviously. So is she going to then go become, can, can she prove she can act? She hasn't so far. I saw Did you see the Ghostbusters I remake? Not. I it's a away piece of shit, uh, as you might you know, imagine, yeah, but she's not good in it. She's been in a few things and I've, I've, I have not liked her on in any film either that I've seen her in where Kristen Wiig, I, I have like, she was great in the skeleton twins and even funny in things like bridesmaids. I know it's a, you know, she, but she actually, I like bridesmaids and she acts in that. She's yeah, she actually like acting. Yeah. And it's like, Oh yeah. You can hold your own. Yeah, she's so, good. So. I, I considered, um, Lorraine Newman as well. Um, what the fuck? Who's that? Lorraine Newman. She's one of the original cast members. I'm trying to picture her. She's the other white girl in oh, like the seventies. Ca- like she was in with Belushi, Aykroyd. She's on all. I just can't, yeah. yeah. This is, yeah. This is why I don't like Aykroyd enough. <laughs> you haven't seen that show, which is fine. I understand. No, I have. It's just so long ago at this point. I, I guess. You know. Yeah. I mean, Lorraine Newman is uh yeah, you might get some blowback for that. Uh, Lorraine, uh, I mean, Lorraine Newman though, doesn't have the acting chops. Like she was pretty good in SNL. Um, she was very young on this show, had some major drug issues too. That also mm. kind of derailed her career. Um, but you know, she Jane Curtin is a great option, but she's more of a Weekend Update person. And part of that too is because she hated Belushi. Belushi, you know, she thought Belushi was sexist, which if you read the stuff, he, he was. And on top of it, she just didn't want to deal with his bullshit. So she would come in, do her job and leave. And by the end of the show, she's like, I just kind of just want to do update. Like if you yeah. give me update, I'll do a great job. I just don't want to deal with. You wouldn't see her in, in a bunch a lot, of stuff. You would early on. If you watch like the 75, yeah. 76, 77, you do. By 78, you don't. You see a little resurgence of her in that last season because Belushi's gone and so is Ackroyd, so they just need help. But sure. um, or if Candace Bergen's around, everyone kind of liked her. So if she came yeah. and guested, they, they would do spots with her. But um, yeah, at some point, Jane Curtin's like, because Jane Curtin was married with a husband and lived in Connecticut. And she's like, I don't want to deal with this shit. That's kind of like, that makes sense. <laughs> go, go to work, come home. Right. So that left for Lorraine Newman to be uh, to do a lot of the heavy lifting because Kurt, Jane Curtin wouldn't do it. So now if Gilda's not available, Lorraine has to do it. Uh, and then obviously, you know, you, we have to bring up, you know, Garrett Morris, uh, uh he's incoming uh, to America. He's a small part in yeah. that. Um, but he, you know, if I was, you know, we have Eddie Murphy, Chris Rock is very good. He wasn't great at SNL. I don't think that he was good at SNL. That didn't seem like a didn't good work. fit. It, no. It's not his fault. No, it's, it's, it's not his fault. You have a style. bunch of like white guy writers. I mean, yeah. think about who's writing. You have Conan, Bob Odenkirk, who were great writers, but they're going to have a much harder time writing for a, a black guy. Yeah. I, honestly, if I had to pick a, another black guy besides Eddie Murphy, I probably would have gone with Tracy Morgan. Oh, yeah. Another guy. I really like him. I mean, he's contained. I like him in 30 Rock. I like him in that world. I don't like Keenan. He's too, he's too broad. Don't it's too really goofy. Like it's no. too safe. No, Tracy Morgan. I like for, he's really likable, even though he's, he's, he's strange. like such, he's such a strange, he's one of the he's strangest. Very strange. Like he's I, very I almost like always not want to like him, but then now I want him. Like, I no, like he's him. really funny. Like, I really like him. In he's never Rock. not funny. Yeah. I really like him. In he's a really, he's one of the, I can't believe they picked him. Like he's not a traditionalist. Like, no. I, I can't believe Warren like okayed that. Like him and Alec Baldwin together are an awesome pair. It's Which so is strange. Crazy. It's so strange, it's so but they really work together. I didn't pick Sandler. I didn't pick Spade. No, I, I didn't pick those Stanley, guys. Stanley I picked Farley, I guess, in that group. Farley definitely. But like Sandler, it's just, it's a little too goofy. Yeah. It's like the, whatever, the red hooded sweatshirt shit and the opera man stuff. It's just not, it doesn't I age really, well. It's not very good. I respect his career a Absolutely. ton. 
but I like, I know you don't like it, but I like Billy Madison. I like Happy Gilmore, Sandler like Happy more Gilmore. than yeah. the Sandler we see on SNL. And I also, I guess my toughest omission though, Mike Myers. Yeah, but that that's another one that doesn't really hold up as well. He's really good on the show. He's good on the show, but it just, it doesn't. Simon is a great character. Simon's a great character. Um, obviously, the Wayne's World stuff was fantastic. He did a lot of heavy lifting. Yeah. He was the only young guy in the cast for a while. I do like the one that the sketch that he's in with Nicole Kidman, where he's like, he's, he's oh, a he's kid. Tied and he's tied to the playground equipment. Right, that, that's <laughs> yeah. a funny one. Like, so yeah, he, he had to yeah. play the little boy because he was the only, if you look at that cast, he came in and joined like, you know, John Lovitz, Dennis Miller, they're yeah. all still in that cast. They're right. all adults. Yeah. And then he was like this young kid from Canada. He just shows up. Yeah. And he didn't know which way was up. And then that that created that divide he had with the Farley with Sandler the Spade because they were all young guys, but then he felt he was about, which he kind of was, I well, guess. Was there a year earlier, so. A couple years couple years yeah, two years earlier i think spade is the first one to come but spade was very much like you're a writer go away yeah uh but myers was getting like airtime for two years before like those guys showed up so then he's like well uh. so it kind of left him as he's a middle child of snl yeah um but yeah all right so that's my dream cast matt matt by the way busy in case you didn't know <laughs> Fuck he, he is he has been busy help a brother out so i'm uh, <laughs> dude you just have to ask for help i you, i won't know you to help unless you tell me if you tell me i always will i always will help you always well, unless you, that's a stupid question. I'm going to I'm gonna hold you to helping me whenever I need it. If, you, know, but you, know, you know, I'll say this I'll, to Matt's defense. You never text me stupid. Like it's never like a, I don't think you've ever texted me a stupid question about the show. I don't think so. I don't think ever. Well, I mean, I get the show. You mostly. say stupid shit on the show. <laughs> You're my Almost favorite. every episode, but you've never said a stupid <laughs> thing. You never sent me a stupid, like, Oh, what is like, like ever once. Yeah. So you can ask me, I, I don't, I yeah. just don't, I like, I just haven't normally, I'm thinking about the show more, more than, than just a are. few right. hours right. before we do it. We've also been crunching these. We've been doing this every day like, for a while. To be honest, I am the least prepared for this show that I've ever been for any show that we've ever done in my entire life. Yeah, people will people people we'll, we'll definitely yes, yeah, we'll, we'll pick that up. Who's Lorraine Newman? And we'll see in the music uh, section that's okay. coming up. But, uh, but normally, like I'm, I'm at least thinking about it. Like it's in my subconscious. Right. I, I don't even know what our next show is now. I have no idea where we it's are. It's taken. I haven't put it in here, but yeah, we're going to 2009. But 2009. I, like, January, I don't 2009. Even, and I don't know because we've done so many in a row and yeah. I've been, bu- I've been busy. Uh, I don't remember the shows that we just did. Yes. Like I, I've had to clear it out of my head and mm-hmm. then you, but normally when we do a show, I'm thinking about it. I watched the movie. I definitely watched the movie the day before always because I want it to be fresh in my mind. Right. But I've, but I'm thinking about it a little bit and I'm thinking about the music a little bit and I just, I have like, the last shows I've been, really it's been hours before. I mean, that's no it. one's heard them yet, but people could tell. No, no, <laughs> no, know. no, no, don't lie. No, because before no, cause, no one's heard them yet. They, oh, haven't, they haven't been popping yet. We haven't, know, we, because we're doing these. We're so you, far in the but future. We talked about this before. You said that the shows have been good. Because well, I've been, I've been. Oh, and I've been that's bullshit. That's not I what you said. Rude down here. That's bullshit. Oh, go, go listen to the shiny episode again. <laughs> Well, that's because that you, that you won't go. shut up about the shining. That's no, why. No, but I had stuff too. It's just, but I also don't, I don't interject and interrupt you the entire time either. No, no, and I know so when I know, you're knowledgeable about and something. And the shining, especially is something I'm very Yeah, you're super about. passionate. But no, but I mean, no, I mean, have I been carrying the show the last three weeks? Carrying yeah, the show. Yes, No, I that's bullshit. I mean, Who's you've Lorraine been. Lorraine Newman? Could, we don't know. This one what's time with Lorraine Newman. I know who Lorraine Newman is. Oh, that's worse than Carrying the show. No, I think I've been pretty normal. I, you did not. Who's Ray Newman? That's like what's that's like spinning my heroes. That's like me know? saying who is uh, like Ray Charles or something. No, it's no, not it's not. Right. But you know what I mean. But like in my world, in my she's the forgotten cast member of those first five years. 
Oh, it's the same. You're, you're, I'm sure there are some. That's not. I probably as, know who. Are, that actually, that's first, not yeah. as erroneous. It's, I wish it was as not knowing Boy Meets World. That's worse. Or actually, that's you also so didn't know. Um, <laughs> was it? <laughs> uh, uh, who? Uh, I'm sorry. I know I can't even talk. <laughs> you got me so. You got me so, <laughs> so flustered. You didn't know Jerry Stiller was on King of Queens. Uh, no, I just don't know King of Queens. I don't. I never <laughs> watched know, it. Know, I mean, I know. I, I've <laughs> heard of it. Of but course. I will say, not Lorraine Newman. That's third in that list of that insanity. Okay, Boy, me not only Boy, it's the worst. Well, let's keep a list. Yeah, <laughs> I, I am. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> to use against me later on. Of course. Shall we move on to Gary? Goddamn fucking Newman. Do you have anything on it? We don't know. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Gary Anthony James Webb is Gary Newman. Um, strangely, like super prolific. Yeah, super pro. Like he's got thirty albums. There are albums that he released that are not available on Spotify that I was super interested in actually trying to find. Ugh. I know. Do you not like the song? I like the song. I think the song is great. I he put out an album this year. So where are we in? We're in twenty twenty one. Right now, oh, one oh, month, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, like June, June. Okay, so like this is how prolific the guy is. He he's already put up like he right. He's <laughs> yes, he's he sold ten million albums like that. Something I didn't check. I saw his ten albums. million albums, dude. Yeah, I was gonna make fun of you. I was gonna be like, I was gonna uh, try to compare them to Radiohead, and obviously, I was gonna just be shitty to you. I was trying to like rub your face in, in dirt. Uh-huh. I'm like, who sold more records? But Radiohead actually sold thirty million. So I was like, oh, I don't, I is that my- it? Actually, I would have taken the over on that. I'm surprised. Oh, I, I was taking the under just because of oh, okay, computer was so big, the bands was so big, and then you had. You know, creep as a number one. Hit. I know, but I just figured that they're so. They're so yeah, like they I was. Really I was kind of hoping for. All, I was because I when I saw ten million to Gary, I'm like, are you fucking you kidding? Shot, you but shocked. then I saw that he's done like what, oh, a million albums. It's like 30 <laughs> I think he's stuff. actually done ten million albums. He, right, that's what it is. So three out, three uh, copies of each. Super prolific. I think you know later on in life uh, when he when he married, he finally married he married his wife when he was something like thirty nine or forty years old. He can't. I, he, I, I can buy what that guy's selling. Well, that's what I did. <laughs> No, but it came out that he, I mean, he's definitely on the spectrum. He's yeah. got, you know, Asperger's. And uh, and I think, I just think that he's super in tune with his music. He just loves to create. That's his, he, he, You know, he's not, he's maybe not the biggest um, showman or glad hander or, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't even really, um, there are certain, he's kind of like talking heads in that way. Oh, who's the, the lead singer of talking heads? Um, David Byrne. David Byrne. He's kind of David Byrne in that way where he'll choose like very specific people to work with. But he doesn't really work well with anybody else. Like like David Byrne does stuff with uh, with Saint Vincent or with his old band or kind of himself. He's sort of a lonely lonely musician that way. Uh, where Newman will kind of pick a few people like Nine Inch Nails or um, I can't remember what was the band that covered Cars. Like he'll do these sporadic things with people. But I think he's he seems like he's content he to does. just sit in his you know his studio and just bang out records right. at at like a record pace. Um, and I, I actually really, I, I don't, I didn't know anything about him besides the song. Me either, because he did have some other radio yeah, hits, but, but not, mostly in Britain. Yes, some that charted here, but not really a lot. And the ones that charted, I was like, I, I've never fucking heard this. I went back and listened. I never heard them before. Like, my life. I, I don't know this one because he had a hit even before when he was. Um, that was his band I, don't, I don't mind either. Um, like, like my friends are electric or something. Yeah, it? that was the one. He when he was called Tube Way Army. Nice. Uh, he had that hit. Well, and before that, so I know, he's I know. this weird nexus, though. And besides being super prolific, he's also um, 
like extremely influential. Yeah, extremely. And I know why, like I can see why I saw that the re so, so he's a, he's a punk musician. That's what he loves. He didn't really like the electronic music because the electronic music that was really influenced every electronic, um, you know, modern electronic music was craft work, of course. Uh, and so this is the type of music that he would, he would have heard at the time. This craft work. And he didn't like it. You know, and Kraftwerk is super influential, like Daft, Daft Punk, like yeah. everybody, every electronic everyone, everyone, musician. Yeah, they were the first. It. I don't particularly like them. It's just too square. It's it does sound like a computer. Yeah. It's not doesn't feel artistic. I give them credit for being first, but me it's too. Not really for me. This is like 60s, 70s when Kraftwerk was doing yeah, their shit. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Yeah. And even like there are other electronic musicians that happen after, like Joy Division and some of them. I, I like I've, that. Well, I like some Joy Division stuff a lot. I've always tried. I've really tried because they're, you know, some stuff's too depressing, but it's some just, stuff's good. that's not me. Um, but so he's, he's a punk musician and he's hearing that and he doesn't like electronic music, but then he, he's in this random studio and there's a mini move there, which is a keyboard. It's a synthesizer keyboard and he plays it. He, he touches it and like hits one note. It blows his fucking mind. It, it like almost blows the room apart. Um, and he's like, this is what I want to do. I want to play this thing. And, and then he becomes this electronic musician. That's nothing like craft work, but he bridges craft work and this. Know this? Yeah. Deep purple smoke in the water. Yeah. That is a Moog that is amped up through tubes. A what like now? A, a Moog? Moog, a mini Moog is, is the keyboard. Andy that he- Moog? Not Andy Moog, the goalie for the uh, Bruins, of course. Uh, the Moog synthesizer. I love Moogs. Are they're they're? It's I, don't M-O- know, I don't know what they are. I'm guessing most people listening don't know what they are. M O O G is the is how you spell. It. So same same okay. as Andy Andy Moog. Right. But we call it the the pronunciation. The guy who created it is last name is Moog as well. But he would just pronounce this. Moog. Right. But it's it's just it's a certain type of synthesizer. What does it look like? It looks like so. There are different versions of it. The mini Moog is I don't know. Maybe it's two octaves. It's this black keyboard um and it's it has like a lot of knobs and levers too so so it, it's a synthesizer it creates its own sound that's what a synthesizer does it's not a sampler where you're sampling other sounds okay uh it creates its own sounds uh the the functioning the function that creates a sound is called an oscillator um it makes a pitch and you can do things to those pitches by by moving these knobs and things so you can create sounds out of them so deep purple is using a moog through okay. a tube amp and distorting it and creating that sound. So Deep Purple is, is really famous for that sound, that big, like they're, they're it, it almost sounds like a guitar, but it's not. It's See, a Moog. I, I, I thought it was a guitar. Yeah, because it's very, I mean, they do have distorted guitar. Right, in there but too, I didn't but know. I didn't. I just assumed. You listen to it, they're, they're, uh, they play a B3 organ and they play a Moog. Um, a lot of the deeper, lower end stuff is a Moog that's distorted. And that is what fucking... New, like Gary Newman is is using. He's using that sound with this electronic music and he's blending the two styles and putting it together. And that's like, he's like the kind of the first to do it, which is why he's able to influence. You know, it's so, it's it's way more accessible. His music, even though it's out there, is way more accessible than something like Kraftwerk. Yes. So thus, it's way more influential. So he goes, you know. Right. You, you've got, um, uh, let me go through... I think his other music is too far out for pop. Oh, yeah. Well, that's why he didn't have a career. I mean, I shouldn't say that. That's why he didn't have a, a yeah. pop 
popular. As and he changes, you know, as he goes through. The modern stuff's awful, dude. Yeah, awful. but I understand how, like, why that progression happens because there are better, there are musicians. Lost hearing? Like, it's awful. Well, I listened in like the mid 2000s stuff. Oh, all right. Like late in the 90s, when he starts to go industrial and it's nine inch nails and he's sort of playing off nine inch nails, he influences nine inch nails and the nine inch nails sort of influences him. But nine inch nails does that music, you know, way better than he does. Yeah. And, you know, some of the other kind of industrial musicians at the time are, it's because. They're, you know, they've got newer ears. They're, they're listening to more modern stuff right. too. So it makes right. sense that this old guy is not going to be able to keep up with them. Right. But, but he does that. He goes through, he goes through this phase, this kind of craft work phase um, that influences new wave and the cars and like all these other bands. And then he goes through a dance phase, which you can see kind of, in, seems like it influences Blondie because it's early eighties when he does that, like 82. He, after these first couple albums, um, this album is the pleasure principle, and this next one, he's like, "Fuck this! I don't like the sound anymore." And he goes more dance, and it sounds like Blondie. It's like but it's Blondie crazy. Would it, but then, like Blondie would Bl- influence him. Then I think Blondie it was, came first. Blondie, Blondie. Well, Heart of Glass is eighty. Yeah, but it's not the disco Blondie. It's sort of the later Blondie because uh, right. it's like it's maybe it sounded like it sounded like the other way around. Hmm. Uh, but definitely like all the new wave stuff, and and then like even so, so you go. Like, listen, uh, here, I just want to get the right ones here because I picked a bunch of stuff. So we take mystery to bed. Um, listen to this one. It's like 80s new wave. Yeah, yeah. Right? I, I mean, mean, so is car and so is cars. I mean. yeah, it is, but he, but I think this even more so. Yeah, it's it like a happier... That, that one's kind of a weird. I like that song so much because it's weird. Me too. It's very kind of square yeah. and beep boop boop roboty, but also kind of funky. Um, so you get that that influences the new wave, and then you've got if you listen to like you mentioned them like the cars, but especially like the Heartbreak City album. Yeah, that is very. You can hear the Gary Newman influence there a lot. I think I did uh, this one even. So this is a kind of the pop. I don't think that this is the same album, but this is a poppier cars. It still reminded me of Newman. This is just earlier. has that vibe. This is this Let's go. Yeah. Is that on the same album? No, I think it's earlier than yeah. Heartbreak City. So this is poppy, but listen to that keyboard. I love this song. I love the cars. Listen to that keyboard. That's so, so is, Newman. This is Good Times Roll? This is Let's Go. I think that's what it's called. I think you're right. I don't know. I'm trying to find it. I'm trying to see when it came out. Listen to that keyboard. Like that's that's so Newman. It, so let's go with seventy nine though. So it came out before. I think Newman stole it from these guys. That was seventy yeah. nine. Let's go with seventy nine. Yeah. I thought it was the other way around. No. I thought let's go was eighty six. Newman's Newman is uh, interesting. Cars influenced Newman, but they, interesting. But I will say though, Newman sound I hear more on the later Har- car because it's more of a slower downbeat. Interesting. I mean, the car was Rico Rico Kasich was just so innovative with some of the stuff they yeah. were doing. Like, yeah, like just. So maybe that, maybe you're right. Maybe it was the other way around. In some instances and others is, but like I said, maybe it kind of goes back to like Newman with Nine Inch Nails that they were kind of helping each other both. Like they were collaborating with each other, but like same thing with Cars and with, with Nine Inch Nails, like those guys were way more talented than Gary Newman. Like I'm, I'm sure Gary Newman may have helped them like in, be like more innovative, but like the talent in the Cars yeah. or Nine Inch Nails is like yeah. 10 times, right. 20, 100 times. That makes Gary sense. Is. But then after that, you've got 90s Bowie is very influenced by, like, if you listen to even, like, Alien, Lost Highway-ish area. Yeah, era. where is the, I had that album, uh, I'm Not an American. 
I can't remember. If that's oh, I'm afraid on, of Americans. I'm afraid of Americans. Yeah. I'm afraid of the world. I think I'm that's that one. The world. Yeah, see, that Steve to me is influenced by Nine Inch Nails, though. That to me is, it has Reznor written all. I think Reznor even did he even produce that? I think Reznor produced that. I think yes. so. But I, but it's a great album. But it, it is a good one. That's one of my yeah. Really got good. Steve Stevens is the as uh, the guitarist on there who's phenomenal. Steve Stevens is the guitar player for. Um, uh, hey little sister, what have you done? Yeah, 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 yeah. And Moni Moni and uh, um, White Wedding and yeah. uh, what's he's, yeah, a lot of Bowie's like eight, early eighties. That's not Bowie. Like. That's uh, White Wedding is. Um, oh, I'm sorry, Billy Idol. Billy me. Idol, right? That's Billy Idol's. Yes. Um, oh, like okay. Phenomenal guitar yeah. player, all over Bowie uh, on that album. But that that still like you can see the roots to Newman there, and then of course Depeche Mode, which is just darker Newman. Um, uh, Tears for Fears even is uh, is it's similar like big credit. I think I do. It, the music just changing. We saw the Cars every night, like things Blondie in uh, Heart of Glass eighty. Like I think he was definitely part of that wave of new of stuff changing. But I don't know if it all. I don't think all. I feel like it does. Newman. I could be wrong, but it feels like he took the craft work and he took the the rock and he merged that shit really in a in a very accessible way. Pretty early on. Yeah, because it's actually this is seventy nine. I mean, we're right. in eighty, yeah, but this true. was, right. this right. was right. out yeah. in seventy nine. Right. So, right. I guess there's All a right. lo- I guess there's overlap there. People are doing different stuff. Um, he was, okay. I think we both can agree that he was one of the forefathers of the eighty sound, yeah, like, yeah, which yeah. we talked about uh, on the uh, the show um, in excess. How like they mastered yes. it, like them and you two kind of mastered it, and then it was but, like over. this is the beginning of yes, and it leads us to I think towards the end here. the passion pit stuff yes it is like we wouldn't have had passion pit without gary newman and my favorite actually is empire of the sun do you know them this know album is amazing i, I love this I album i feel like i kind of the song but i don't know i don't this, was the band the to me. this album is fantastic i love this we wouldn't have empire of sun without gary newman you give Gary Newman too much credit. But. I give him a lot of credit. I, I think he was super. The, the other thing is he's super prolific. Like so many albums that he put out. Like I, I, yeah, I think he was a major influence. Do you like this song? Cars. Yes. I you too. Yeah. I think it's a really good song. And it's strange too, because it's only, it's a verse with like this bridge. There's no chorus. It's a very strange song again. So the lyrics are weird too. He, he, he was literally in his car, I guess in England one day and something happened. I don't think I had a road rage incident or what, but like, that's what he said. Basically yeah. like, people started attacking his car and he just like drove away or something. He drove yeah. on the sidewalk to get away. But then he kind of talked about like this. Death. I'm safe in my car. Yeah. yeah in my, yeah. Uh, but it's so, and all, I have a bit of nostalgia for it. Like it's Me too. from Grand Theft Auto. I, oh, absolutely. Like Vice City. Like, That's right. Like it is, it was like in all the trailers and it's in the, it's in the game pretty pr- predominantly. And um, I, it's like one of my favorite video games ever. Um, so I even have like nostalgia, even though it was really came out, it was popular before I was, I was conscious like I do have this this real nostalgia for it too. I so maybe the bigger pop stars in the mid mid eighties. I really so Michael Jackson and Madonna and and those folks and you know even Cindy Lauper and stuff. I sure. so I I love them, but I actually really like this time of music. This, Me too. This 1979, 1980, early eighty because they're still trying to figure out what the fuck's going on because you have you're 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 transitioning from you know from guitar music. And adding so like rock in, and disco. Exactly. It's starting to, that's starting to merge. And you've got these electronic, these new electronic instruments that are coming into play. And it starts getting really exciting in pop music and rap 
because of it. And so I, I just think this is an experimental time. You've got even things like Devo, which are so weird. You wouldn't hear Devo, it's Devo on the radio now. Like, no. that's such a cool... Whip It is such a cool song. Like, 81, to me, is a really cool year of music. So you have... Uh, you have like Start Me Up and some of the stuff yeah. like Rolling Stones. So that's right. a traditional that's rock. A great, that's a good song. And you have like the Human League. You have, yeah. Uh, and you have David Bowie and Queen do Under Pressure. That's right. Uh, you have Men at Work. Uh, but then you also have like uh, like the Human League and some weird stuff like that. You have Kim Carnes. Yes. I have like this playlist here of like 1981 stuff only. And it's a one I listen to a lot. Even like uh, like uh, John Lennon has uh, watching the wheels come out that that's year. That's right. Um, and it's just a really interesting um, year in music. We have kind of, even have like Steve Winwood had a big hit. Like, That's yeah. right. Um, so you have like, it's like this weird like mosh of stuff. And then like, obviously Thriller is amazing. And like you mentioned, like, uh, you know, some of the Madonna stuff, like Material Girl, like that kind of made the road more like clear. Like, all right, you two, like th- those yeah. bands made it like, all right, this is the sound we're going, even in excess, like sure. this is the sound we're going for. But you're right. When they were kind of figuring it out, that's some of the fun and it's really, really I, I like that. It's more experimental, and you get you get a wider variety on the on the uh, Billboard Hot 100 of what's popular. Things on the radio at the time were were way more varied. The same station is going to play the disco shit, is going to play the rock shit of the Rolling Stones, yep. and everything in between. And now you don't get that. The Billboard Hot 100 is really homogenous. When Sirius XM, I talked about it on uh, Shining episode, but when they do the um, like 80s stuff, so they'll do like, all right, here's a top 40 from a specific yeah. week in a year. In, and it's always the 80s. Whenever they say the year's going to be 80 or 81, I get excited. Yes. Because I know it's going to be the weirdest fucking... It is. But when they say 89, I get bummed out. Yeah. Because I think 89 music sucks. It's, it's, it's shitty. Like, uh, it's so shitty. Um, but like they say 86, 87, it's cool, but it's also stuff to me... Oh, part of it has to do with when I was born. But it's kind of... I've kind of like heard it to death. Yeah, it's played out. And it's like... Well, yeah, this is a little bit early. I feel like 80, 81, like that's like this un- time where it's like a lot of uncovered gems. And I don't know if it's because of when I was born... So if I was born in 72, would I feel this is played out? Maybe I would. I don't know. You might. But, but I feel like a lot of this like experimental stuff, I mean, obviously, I'm not talking about Cars by Gary Newman because everyone's heard that a million times, but yeah, there's yeah. a lot of other songs like, like Matt's mentioning, like, and I don't think they have, because they're so weird, they're not on classic rock stations and they're not on, they're not, you don't really hear them anymore unless no. you seek them out. So like I've gone and looked up old billboard lists or whatever to make my, like my little, I, I like to make playlists based on years. And um, I'll um, I'll do and I, the stuff eighty one I find myself going back to more than anyone sure because there's there's songs I don't hear so a varied time. yeah and you don't and you hear, don't it hear all the time. a lot that's that was the thing is like we didn't get this on our, on classic rock stations you st- and you still don't yes so it's this weird situation where they jumped over it right so they would play some of the you know they would have played like ACDC on you a classic rock station up or, by or, Rolling Stones yeah, here you'd hear that but not the but but not the pop of that time it would have to be kind of harder music to hit the classic rock station you're not going to hear Human League on classic rock you're not you're not going to hear I mean sometimes Men at Work but sometimes not sometimes it's too poppy but if it's right. too poppy there's nowhere to go and I guess they might have like you know back when we were a kid you'd have oldie stations which would play 50s and 60s stuff yep but they don't really I mean. I think because of streaming, the way things work now, you don't really have that as much anymore. No, you don't. Because if you're like our age, you're going to listen to oldies. You're just going to listen on your phone. Yeah. You're going to yeah. go like, do what I do. Go to Sirius XM, listen to the top 40 stuff like that. So, right. Um, it, right. It, it, it's a weird little leap. You, we, left, we left over it. We don't really get some of the, the famous ones. So cars we would hear, but a lot of the other music at this time period, we just wouldn't. I was excited when we hit 1980 uh, because of the music, honestly. And the obviously The Shining, but like, you know, there's like, all right, this is some stuff that I just haven't thought about or I don't yeah. hear talked about a ton. Right. Um, not The Shining, obviously, but the, the music especially. 
and I think it's gonna be like so much more wide, like so much more varied than the stuff we cover. If we hit, it's way more fun because some it's just, ballads in nineteen ninety yeah, three or it's something. You know? Something that's interesting. Like right. they're they're experimenting with sounds because they don't quite know what they have yet. There are all these new instruments that come out. Like we'll never go back. I wonder actually. You know, maybe in 10, 15, 20 years, people will have nostalgia for guitar again, and then you you have a resurgence of rock, rock. Maybe I think so. But but there's been a. It's not that's not what a band is anymore. Go listen to pop stations and tell me how many rock songs you hear. You know, you don't hear. You yeah, know, you if don't. you do, it's very derivative, or it's just very watered down. Like yeah. you don't really hear like you don't really hear the guitar anymore. No, it's right. Were you? Yeah, I might even be sooner than that. Maybe in ten years, could be. Will there be this like resurgence of yeah. good rock? Um. Now there are there are there there is actually great rock that's happened in the last fifteen or twenty years, but we just tend to not hear it because it's it's you know it's indie, it's buried. Like I love the national, but like yep. the, the national, like where are you going to hear? It? Like all the alternative stations kind of don't really like ninety two five the river. If you're local here, they'll have some good stuff. But honestly, that's a station I used to like a lot, but I just don't listen to the radio anymore. Or you know the two for me are uh, are uh, the War on Drugs, like that uh, the last a deeper understanding. That album is so meaningful to me, and it came out a couple years ago. And it's it's uh, it is a pristine, beautiful album. You never hear that on, on the radio. Right. And same thing, uh, Big Wreck is another one. It's a Canadian musician who came and went to Berkeley, and he is so fucking. He sounds like Chris Cornell, and he plays guitar like a terror. And he is the band is fucking amazing. But we we just wouldn't. You wouldn't hear that on the radio. It's just, it's not cool anymore. The people want Drake. Yeah, right. People and that sound, that Drake sound even, it, it just permeates through every song. Um, I, yeah, I, I, but I just think radio is just, you know, it's, it's dying. Yeah, it's dead. dying. Anyway. I mean, whatever, whatever it is. I mean, I don't know. And there, there is a good thing because there is a playlist for everybody. For Yeah, for anyone. You can find yeah. it out there. It's just, I think it's a little harder unless it's a we need more curators. We need more people who are coming up and saying, I'm building a playlist based on these tastes that we can go to and listen to. Spotify doesn't do that so well. Like they'll, they will give you, Spotify does give you things based on your interest and they will suggest something, but it's not easy to really discover stuff. I don't really like how Spotify Apple music does, does a decent job, but you kind of have music. Is that what you said? Apple music? Yeah. yeah. You have to kind of look for, so there's a website I go to called digital. It sounds stupid. I know digital dream door i believe it's called mm. it sounds dumb i know but the cool thing is they have everything in the list and it's a lot of it's just this guy's opinion so yeah. it's your curator but it's right. a curator i kind of i really respect he's not always right but a lot of the stuff and everyone's different everyone's taste is different yeah but a lot of stuff his tastes do sort of kind of align with mine um so he'll have like top 100 lists of every song of every year but then he has lists based on even more extreme things or bizarre things or yeah. uh things you would ever even think of putting a list together for um, and so, he, and he does movies and stuff too. I don't really love his, but his music stuff, I think is really spot on or, or close to it. Or he'll write about it or he'll have a song on his list. I, I hadn't thought about it in forever or yeah. I never heard before. And then I'll go on my streaming. I'll go on Apple music and I'll hear it. I'm like, Oh, I really like that. I'll throw that on my list. So, um, but right. They're finding those like trusted curators, not the easiest. I just no. found digital dream war by axe and the website itself. Like it'll drive Matt crazy. It was like built in like, it feels like it's built in like <laughs> 1997. Like it's super like basic. Yeah. Um, but it, but it, the information I think is pretty pretty good. I'll have to check that out because it's, it's pretty. It's hard, it is hard to find. Yeah. It's hard to find new music. You know, it's really hard to find new music. Yeah, and they haven't quite figured that because obviously when Matt and I were growing up, for a lot of you guys growing up, you hear it on the radio. Yep. You know, and they would even sometimes make a big big deal about it. Or you, on MTV, like we have a new song. Yeah. Tonight by Madonna, eight o'clock. We're gonna premiere it. Oh shit! You you would get excited watching. You it. would. You know that doesn't. Or they'd have blocks for new music too. Or even if you're young enough, if you're like a '90s kid and you like TRL is your thing, yeah, they would premiere new videos in TRL, and like it was like it was a big deal. It was like you know, first time you heard that song by that artist, you might like, and and 
now where do you yeah you kind of have to get suggest things suggested to you and I don't try. I mean, I never, so things like, uh, like Spotify, I don't, I don't, or, uh, even pan well, Pandora, I used to thumbs up thumbs. Actually, Pandora was really helpful for me. Some of my favorite music came from Pandora because I would curate it myself. I would right. thumbs up, thumbs down. And, uh, but it's not quite, I, I don't know why, but I don't, I don't really like to do that anymore. I don't really like to give people my information, you know, get, tell them what my, my likes are because then they'll just, they're just selling that information anyway. So I dislikes, for instance, like Boy Meets World, Lorraine Newman. <laughs> <laughs> but on Spotify, you're not going to see me thumbs up, thumbs down and shit. I'm just not going to do it like Pandora. I don't, I don't really like when people, like when the machine gives me suggestions. I don't. I don't I'm like, like I don't, I don't really care yeah, what you think you I like. Machine. Yeah, I'd but, rather talk to a human. But um, Sirius XM, though, I'll listen. Sometimes I'll put on like an alternative station or whatever a station. And then if they have a song I like that comes up on there, then I uh, I will. I'll put it on a playlist, mm. you know, but... um. But it's different. It's not as, it's much, much, much harder to find new music than it was 20 years ago. The one thing I will do is, so I, I've created, I have like this huge playlist on Spotify for uh, EDM because that's what I work to because there's no lyrics. I can't, I have a hard time working. But right. I, I, EDM is, you know, it's upbeat. So it kind of keeps going through the day. I will let it, once it runs out, I do have the feature on where it'll suggest new music after that. And I will then, I have found some stuff and, and add things to my playlist because of that. So that was helpful. Would it help you if I know, like, for instance, one of my big hits, The Bone Collector? Okay, yeah. If I made that, like, uh, like, like, if I did it without any lyrics, would that help you work? Would you listen to The Bone Can you Collector? put beats behind it too? I'm, I'm, I'm one man. You're I, just I, one man. I mean, I'm, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you can tell, but I don't really have like a flute. Uh, this is just my voice, you know? Oh, is that? Like, that's not, that's just me. That's just your voice? But I could do the whole song if you'd like if, you, if you'd promise you'd work toward it yeah like to it yeah i think you should do that but i actually do really believe you should record that the bone collection so we could share it with, the with the lyrics without i think i think you should do both you should have a you know an a side and b side <laughs> and, and, and <laughs> that way i could right the instrumental i could definitely listen to at work right uh, i would do that a lot and then the other one we could i think you're being sarcastic though you're, you're i'm not i think we could send the rest out to you have to a tell the when you're being sarcastic you kind of like grin so like i can tell you're being sarcastic. i'm laughing at you i mean you were i could tell when you were about to be a smart ass <laughs> bone collector thing too we're, we're smiling it's a great song <laughs> it's, it's a lovely who's lorraine newman <laughs> who's bone collector i'm never gonna get tired of that okay good <laughs> uh, so then we're back we are so we're going to january of 2009 we're gonna uh our, our free show is taken that's taken yeah. and then our uh oh our, uh, our superior show is uh grand torino right is that our second um eastwood eastwood because we did an eastwood already we did an eastwood already i can't remember what it was i know we did i know yeah, we I know did because we, we were we like kissing did his he, ass up and down. Dr- oh unforgiven it was unforgiven yeah um any, another one and we direct. both love Queenswood, so yeah. that's probably why we kissed. Oh, we also did Sully. We did Sully. Which we both liked more than we thought we would. Well, and I liked it even more than you. I thought it was a really great movie. I liked it a lot. You did like it a lot, but I think I think I liked it even more. I thought it was, you did like it more than I did. Yeah. But we both really, we both heavily recommended. Yeah, absolutely. Sully and uh, yeah, the Unforgiven is a brilliant film. It doesn't quite no. hit it for me. There's a few things. It's just it's just, it's a little too I don't know if it's too downbeat or just something about it. I you know go back and listen to that episode, obviously. Yeah. Um, but this will be a good one. Uh, Grant Torino. I'm uh, excited to talk about Grant Torino. Yeah, me too. The, definitely a lot of people had opinions about it. So. It's a good, uh, good Patreon episode. And then, uh, yeah, so we'll be back uh, on Saturday with Taken. Later.